Yeah, do what is morally right. And vote. Uh, well, and vote for the right person. Uh, oh. My name is Colleen Smith. I'm Mary Jo Smith. No, no relation. relation. Welcome to my first time, the uh, podcast. Yes, this month's theme is the first time I experienced racism. Oh, I was affected by racism. Yeah. Or, or became aware of racism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, with us as always is Dr. Ian Phone Smith. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> And our guests tonight are Jordan, our returning champions, Jordan yeah. Black and Roxana Ortega. And uh, Neil Nanda is joining us for the very first time. Yay! Yay. Thank you. Um, so our, our pro, Jordan Black, oh, is going to start us off. I'm a professional, my first time podcaster, because yeah. it's my second time doing it. When you do something twice, you're professional. You're professional. Yeah. That's what Dr. So, ben, so, ben Carson says. So it's two so, hours, <laughs> is what they say. Right? Yeah. Is that right? Two hours. Two hours. Put in my two hours. Um, so my story uh, is the first time that I, because when, when you guys talk about, of course, you know, I've known Colleen forever. I mean, I've known Mary Jo forever, but Colleen and I have had these conversations for a zillion <laughs> years. So I've told her a zillion stories about racism that I've experienced. But specifically, I was like, oh, the first time. And then, like, the, I remembered the story uh, pretty quickly. I was um, in the third grade. I was uh, going to a private Catholic school, so it was mostly white kids mm-hmm. in a small town. I grew up in a small town, Illinois. Mostly white kids at my school, but a handful of us. I had two other brothers at that school, so we were probably half of the black kids at the school. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm serious. Actually, blood brothers, you mean not right, my, brothers. Not, not, not the bros. Okay. I had some other oh, bros. I had okay. a couple Just bros. Just clarifying, because right. this is radio. Right, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, my actual brothers uh, who lived in my house and uh, whose clothes I got passed down to me. Um, but anyway, so I was third grade. I was about eight years old at this point because I think we we're pretty far into the school year. And there was another black kid in my class named Anthony who got into a fight in class with this kid named David. And our teacher was Miss Mason. And you know, when you're at that age, you just love your teacher no matter. Like you just love them. You think they love you and you love them. And they got into a fight, which was very common. And back in my day, I don't know, I feel like they put kids in jail now for fighting. But we had fights every day in class. Like, we were little kids. We always were fighting. And uh, they got into a fight. And uh, Anthony was black. David was white. And usually when they, anytime a fight would happen, teacher would run over, break it up. Hey, go to the, you know, you're in trouble. Go sit in the hall or whatever. Just... But Miss Mason, they start fighting. Miss Mason looks over. She goes, get him, David. <gasps> yeah. And I remember as a kid going, what? A, you're a teacher? And I was like, yes, he's white. You're white. He's the black. You're white. And then she broke it up. And by the way, David got his ass kicked because, you know, in my town, if you're black and you lost to a white kid, that was you. That was going to be bad. So you had to win. Um, so um, I think in general for black people, that's sort of a thing. Like you just, you can't show your face if you lose a fight to a white guy. Um, so you don't pick on white guys who you think you can beat you up. Um, but um, so that was the first time that I was like, I witnessed it. Like I I knew that there were racial differences. I knew it like as jokes. Like there will always be like black and white jokes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never experienced it or seen it until uh, until that day. And um, and um, and I always, you know, it's funny because I couldn't remember that teacher's name. She's the only teacher of all my teachers from about you know kindergarten through like 
fifth grade, because after that you start having a bunch of classes, you know, and a bunch of teachers. Um, and so I had to email, I Facebooked a class, old classmate of mine who was in that class, a white woman. <laughs> white. <laughs> white woman. Woman. And I assumed that you know, probably everybody else loved this teacher because I'm the only one who probably peeped this that day. And so I asked her, what was our third grade teacher's name? And she was like, oh, Miss Mason. And she was mean. And I was like, oh, okay. So she was just a jerk in general, too. But, um, but yeah, so that was the first time that I experienced it. Other than that, when I moved to L.A. was the first time, you know, because I didn't drive until I got to L.A. And when I got to L.A. Um, and started driving, and I was in my early 20s, this was going, this happened all the way from my early 20s, probably to my mid-30s, that, you know, every blue moon, I would get pulled over by the cops for nothing, you know? And um, and meaning, like, at the end of the exchange, I would drive off with no ticket or anything. And I just, you know, I just toughed it out, and I'd just be like, you know, hi. You know, I just knew I'd heard all the things, like, put your hands on the steering wheel, turn off your radio, let down your window, yes, sir, no, sir. You know, but... And so, I, but after a long, after years of this, um, there was one time where I got pulled over. I was driving home from work. It was about midnight or so. And this was the first time the cop asked me to get out of the car. So I got scared. Yeah. I was like, I, you know, I don't want to get murdered. <laughs> and I was literally in front of my house. I had just pulled up in front of my house. And, um, and the cops had me get out of the car. And what did he said something to me? Um, I can't remember what it was. He said something like, um, I asked him, I said, what is this about? Because he's like, had me put my hands behind my back the whole nine. He went through my pockets, wow. which is illegal. Mm. And I didn't know that then. And um, not that I would have said anything. <laughs> but I really got, but at, but at this point, I was really annoyed because I was just like, this is so stupid. And I said, what is this about? And he said, you'll see it on your ticket. And I said, ticket four. And he didn't answer me. And um, But um, he ended up letting me go. I mean, I, he didn't have anything. Another time I had a broken window because my car had been broken into and I couldn't afford to get my window fixed. And I got pulled over for that, which is fine because they pull you over. They're like, this car has a broken Did window. Maybe somebody car, stole right? this car. But then they like made me stand out on the street, you know, and put my hands behind my back. Like it's a it's broad daylight. Like these are just things mm-hmm. that have happened to me that I haven't heard a lot of white people say, yeah, same thing happened to me. <laughs> I, um and I have a friend, uh, oh, another white woman, who told me about a time where she got pulled over. She got pulled over by the cops. She was uh, in the middle of the night, and she said she had she was totally drunk. <laughs> she had an open bottle of wine in the car. What? The cop walks up to her, white, white woman, white wine. No, I don't know what I don't know what color the wine was. Um, let's not judge the wine. Let's not, please. Let's try anyway. Let's keep it clean. Yeah. All wines matter. All wines matter. Um, <laughs> um, and she told, I was telling her some stories and she was sharing the story with me about her experience. And she said, and the cop pulls her over and she had been drinking and she had open bottle of wine in her car. And she said she burst into tears when the cop walked up. And he was like, and the cop's like, no, no, don't worry. It's okay. Just get home safely. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that has not been my experience. But like, I, I really try to keep it clean. Like, I, I, you know, I try not to break any laws. Like, I don't, I don't smoke weed. I don't drink. Not because of this reason, but... I, even if I did, I would never drink and drive and I would never smoke pot in the car because what I learned is that cops are all, they assume you've done something and if you have weed or anything, then they're like, okay, that justifies why I pulled you over. They think they're going to find something after mm-hmm. they pulled you over. And um, the worst one was, um, was, and this was the last time I got pulled over by cops, this was maybe four or five years ago because now that I'm 45, it, it rarely happens. 
Um, but I got pulled over because my tag was expired, which is a real reason to get pulled over. But it's also like it's a fix it ticket. So it's nothing. And um, and this I was really annoyed because I was l- trying to get somewhere and I was running late. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, of course. And I'm like, oh, just give me the ticket so I can go. Right. And so when the cop pulled me over, I was annoyed and I did not hide it, right? I didn't, I wasn't disrespectful, but I was just like, what? Sure, okay, yeah. You know, that, I was like sort of like that. And he got furious about that. And I still didn't care. The more furious he got, I just didn't care. <laughs> and that made him more mad. And then he ran my license, my driver's license, and he came back to my car and he said, uh, you have a warrant for your arrest. What? And, I, and I was like, what? I'm like, okay, like maybe I had an old traffic ticket that I forgot about. And I go, oh my God. I said, I said, oh, really? For what? And he goes, for drugs. And I go, oh, that's not me. And he goes, yeah, it is you. He was, he got even angrier. I was like, and I got mad. I go, no, it's not. <laughs> because what I knew was my identity had been stolen years oh, ago. No. This had happened before. So I was like, I was going like, oh, I know what this is. And I got to go to court and I got to clear this up. You know, so I was just saying, saying like that. But my thing was, if you're going to arrest me, then arrest me. Like, I wasn't worried about it. And that bothered him. Mm-hmm. And so then he was like, get out of the car. And he cuffed me. And this is like, I was on the cu- on the corner of Hollywood and Highland. And he cuffed Perfect. me. God. And he grabbed me by my shoulder. And he's walking me to the to the, like the whatever the wall of the sidewalk that we're walking up to and I like I jerked my uh shoulder away from him and he grabbed it again he go and he said if you jerk away from me I'm gonna beat your ass down to the ground so I didn't jerk my arm <laughs> just so you know I was like I'm gonna chill for yeah. a minute I think I made my point um <laughs> And um, so then, they, of course, they rifle through my car, which is, has happened to me more than once, where they go through your trunk and everything, go through your um, glove box. And at that point, I know they're always looking for, like, I hope he has a gun. I hope he has some weed or something. And and I was telling them, you know, while this was happening, I said, I'm not worried. I said, I have a lawyer. I'm not concerned about this, you know. And, uh, and I said, and I haven't done anything. And I said, this is going to be embarrassing for you, not me. I'm saying all this because I'm just so upset. And... Um, that's pretty ballsy. Yeah, right? uh, it was a bad day for me. I was just like, I wouldn't normally. I do not recommend this behavior, <laughs> and um, and I wouldn't normally do that. Um, and then like they put me in the back seat of the car, and then the cop is like, well, his partner is showing me like, see like on the their computer screen, like see that's your name, that's the warrant. And I was like, okay. And he's like, is that? Did you ever live at this address before? And I go, no, I never lived. It was some address with my name I go I said yes that's my name but that's not I've never lived at that address and so I just didn't care it's just like I already already been through this I know I got to go to court and it's so easy to just say wasn't because it's all it was here's the thing the the warrant was for someone who had gotten caught with marijuana it's a family member of mine by the way I I knew exactly who it was (laughs) who'd been busted with yeah of course they use my name because they know that it was a family member of mine who got busted with marijuana and they just give you a ticket for it you know, if it's a small amount, they just give you a ticket and you're supposed to pay it. But, of course, he gave my name so he doesn't have to pay it. <laughs> and it turns into a warrant. Because he knew that if they, he gave his own name, he had warrants. And that they would arrest him then for his outstanding <laughs> warrant. So, like, let me give a name of somebody who I know does not have warrants. Um, so, I knew all this, so I wasn't worried. But but I was also thinking, like, Ugh, now I'm going to jail. Like, I'm in the backseat. They're going to take me to jail. You were running late a minute ago. Well, I was, right. And I was just like, ugh. And um, so, but what the great part is that after all of this, the cop at the end goes, um, after they look for everything, they don't find anything, 
the mean cop who threatened to beat me, I could tell that I had gotten to him, that he was just like, shit, I don't really want this to escalate. So he goes, uh, and plus, if he had brought me in for like a half an ounce of pot or whatever, like, I'm sure his uh, boss would be like, what do you know? Why, why is this person here? <laughs> so he goes, he says to me, um, so uh, listen, uh, you want to go to jail or you want to go home? That's what he says to me. And I swear to you, I had to bite my tongue so hard not to say, take me to jail, because I really wanted to say it just to fuck with him. And then, but I was just like, I really didn't want to go to jail because I had shit to do. So I was like, yeah. so I was just it like, was a minor inconvenience. right, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so I was just like, uh, I want to go home. And uh, so then he was like, you should get this. Like he went, he got really nice. Oh, he got really nice after this because he realized he had nothing. Like he had nothing. So um, he goes, and this has happened to me before where they realize they have nothing, and then they get really polite. <laughs> and he goes, um, if you, um, he said, well, you should get this cleared up. Get this. I was like, yeah. I will. Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> thanks for the... But I will tell this one quick story and then I'll move on. Um, because one thing I've learned about police, well, two things. One, the first thing is police go off their gut and their gut is... I know from experience that they don't... You can't trust your gut. Nobody can. Like, you think, like, I just have a feeling. And it's like, it's just not a thing. It's just you have a prejudice. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. You see a black guy in a crappy car, you figure he's probably a drug dealer pot smoker or something he's probably been drinking probably. you're just you making a black guy in a nice car he stole it yeah the same thing yeah you see a black guy in a nice car he stole it right. so um, so that's not your gut that's just your prejudice and so when it's somebody like me they're always like surprised you know that oh I, nothing he doesn't have a record he has nothing but I remember meeting this uh, woman who she and her boyfriend black couple a black couple <laughs> had been pulled it doesn't work the same no. um, wow. had been pulled over and he had been drinking and driving so he was totally guilty and but so he was a, he was like um very um like you know he was yelling at the cops and stuff and the cops were like really like manhandling him and being uh you know super physical with them so she says something to them like hey you need to stop that leave him alone whatever you know like basically stop like you know manhandling him and um and then they got her name and they ran her um they ran her name and found out that she was on probation or parole or something and she said and when they found her she was on probation the cop walked up to her and punched her in the stomach <gasps> oh. because he knew that her word meant nothing because she had a record so who's going to listen to her or trust her and that's why i always tell black people don't try not to have a record because if you don't have a record they kind of know they got to back off because you might be the squeaky clean person but yeah she just punched her dead in her stomach and uh because he knew like you're garbage you have a record so now no one will ever believe anything you say. Wow. Real talk, y'all. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's that that thing, too, that um, everybody I know has smoked drugs illegally. Mm -hmm. uh, they just haven't gotten caught, or if they have gotten pulled over, no one arrested them because they didn't care. Right. So that idea of, like, her record could have been for something that every human, just mm -hmm. if unlucky, would have. Mm -hmm. You know, speeding. Like, the thing, we break laws all the time and we don't yeah. think about it. But all of a sudden you have a record because if the cop doesn't like you, decides to make it a bigger offense of or a larger yeah. thing. So you have to live, like like you're saying, you don't do anything. And you don't yeah. do anything. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't, nothing. And you shouldn't have to live this, like, puritanical life to this. Which I don't, but I... Try to live a crime-free life. Yeah, Meaning, but even like even small crimes. Yeah, but even like, small crimes. I mean, I've lived a very crime-free life. You and mm -hmm. me, Jordan, we're very yeah. crime-free. But I have not. Met a yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a record, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't I wait to get on the other side of the table. <laughs>
Schmuxie has also lived a crime-free life. Oh, yeah. I'm very CM. But I did. I, I there was a story on online. <laughs> there was a story online recently that spoke to like it was about white privilege, and it was telling the story. This had just happened recently, like a few months ago, where these white kids got into a car accident, was dr- drinking and driving. A couple of them died, or I don't know if all of them died, but a cop had just pulled them over. And knew that they had been drinking, oh. and said, "Hey, all right, you kids, you know get what? Home. Get home safe. Hey, don't screw around. Oh. You know." And it's just like, well, mm. they were underage, clearly underage, drinking in the car. You know, every, and they were, and they were like, they were full on drunk kids, like in the car. And then the driver, I guess, was, had probably clearly had been drinking because after he after the accident, they found that he was um, uh, was drunk. But even if the cop didn't recognize it, he saw that there were drunk underage teenagers in the car. So that's enough to say, okay, everybody out. You know, even if it's just caught, we're going to call your parents. We're going to tow the car. Yeah. And he didn't, you know. And I'm like, I've never, I can't, re- that has never happened for me when I didn't do anything. I remember, and I'm really going to stop now. I remember one time leaving a, <laughs> leaving a bar with two friends of mine. One was Asian, one was white. This was in my 20s. And the three of us get in our cars and the two of them pull out first. And then I pull out last, and there's a cop pulled me over instantly. Like it was that thing, like you're coming from a bar, drinking and driving. I'm like, right. and he pulled me over, and I was like, I don't drink. I'm like, and I was thinking in my mind, if you had those two just had drinks, right. you pulled them <laughs> over, you probably would have had something, but you went for me. So it's like, um, sorry. Well, it's like Brock Turner. He gets yes, caught yeah. raping a woman, but he's a white guy with potential, so he's yeah, let uh-huh. out. Well, yeah. and also, what was the what was the kid who? Um, the, the, I can't think of the word where you know he got off because he was so rich. What was the? Oh yeah, who went to Mexico and ran away to Mexico? Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. A murderer. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was. A, well, he was drinking and driving. He right? He was drinking and driving and, and killed, he killed somebody. somebody. Yeah. And then like two weeks later, a young black kid drinking mm-hmm. and driving mm-hmm. injured somebody. Didn't right. kill them, but injured right. them and got ten years. Was well, the same like when you know, um, Trayvon Martin got killed and George Zimmerman got off, and then there was this story yes. of this black woman yes. who shot a warning shot in yes. her house. Because her, she was being, she felt threatened by her ex-husband who was in the house. She mm-hmm. shot a warning shot yes. and did and got twenty years in yeah. Florida. Well, I don't know. I can't remember what it state always it was. happens in Florida. Yeah. I oh, think right she now. might have gotten out by now, but she's but not off. Like meaning they're gonna like retry it or whatever. But yeah, she shot a warning shot and got twenty years. Yeah, to save oh. her own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, on that note. Okay, so um, <laughs> what do you got, I, lady? I've got a defining uh, moment of racism. My first racist moment that kind of changed my life. So uh, it was in the fourth grade, mm. and I grew up in Fullerton. That's in Orange County. Um, I like to say it's Disneyland adjacent, so you could see the happiest place in the world, but you definitely <laughs> were not there. This is very conservative, and my um, my mom was from Peru, immigrated to L.A. when she was 22, and my dad was Mexican-American, born and raised in L.A., and he was a Chicano studies professor in Fullerton. So, But at, when I was in fourth grade, I didn't know what I was, you would think I would know I was Latina. My parents spoke Spanish, but I didn't know what I was because my mom had this, she wanted us to embrace our entire background. So she would raise us. She's like, you're Mexican, Peruvian, Scottish. Her last name's Campbell. Uh, Spanish, 
a dash of Arab and probably related to Jesus. What, and she was not kidding. Right. She'd go, we have a last name, Mashias, in the family, like some yeah. 1800s person, and that means Messiah. So I was like, okay. <laughs> did not, not know you what to do royalty. with that. So right. I, I had you an aunt holy. in yeah. church say, you are royalty, keep your head high. And I was like, okay. But nobody explained, like, royalty... To what? To who? We're not royalty, you know? So I was like, okay, I'm royalty and probably related to Jesus. And like, that's all. And they didn't raise us speaking Spanish because they wanted us to do well in school. I think my dad had experienced a lot of, you know, uh, challenge with that and was a really smart kid and had a hard time with that. So they wanted us to learn English first. So I didn't speak Spanish. But my mom loved cultures so much, she taught me how to play rock, paper, scissors in Japanese. So I would go to school and go, Yang Kimpo! And I kind of thought I was speaking Spanish, and the kids were like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and I didn't even know what it was. And my favorite book growing up was a Swahili counting book called Moja Means One. Like, she just was like, all cultures, all, except your own, right. but all cultures. <laughs> so Don't look in the mirror. Clueless. And um, yet when we would go to my aunt's house... Uh, in the valley, I had two Peruvian ants in the valley. I remember being very little, and they were speaking Spanish to me, and I didn't know what to say. I was like, eh. and they were like, oh, "No hablas español, <laughs> no hablas español." Ah, ah. And I remember, like, oh, I oblate enough to understand that. Oh shit, I've done something wrong. So I felt really like confused about what I was, and like I'm not. Spanish speaking, so I'm not that. Like, what am I, right? So in fourth grade, Mrs. Denton's class. She sounds like a piece oh. of her. <laughs> she had great hair. That's all I remember. <laughs> great hair. Um, she was like a pert commercial, you know, pert. Mm-hmm. Anyways, aging myself on my shampoos. But um, so Peter Cubitz turned to me out of nowhere and he just goes, You're a beaner. <gasps> and I was like, <gasps> like exactly. I was like, <gasps> I had heard the word mm-hmm. around because it's like even the word Mexican was a bad word mm-hmm. in Orange County. It probably still is. <laughs> um, they, you know, that they would use the word wetback and beaner to, you know, Mexican. Everybody was assumed to be Mexican. It's mm-hmm. like hatred of immigrants. So uh, I would hear that word tossed around sometimes to workers around campus or something, but it was thrown at me and I was just. I, I was so, I was shocked and I was pissed off and I was a goody two-shoes, like nerd, 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 rule follower. And I was so mad. I wanted to like punch him and I wanted to say something, but I didn't know a word for white people. Like I didn't have a word right. and I was you know, raised to, you know, love all people. And so I was like, you're, you're you're nothing, you're nothing. Like, and it was like, it, I was like, that was my terrible right. comeback. But in that moment, I really realized that he saw me that way. And at the same time, I realized I, I was firmly in between. Like I was in the middle. I'm, I don't fit in anywhere then mm-hmm. because I don't fit in with the Spanish speakers. And yet I don't fit in obviously like with the white white kids must see me differently and later that same year fourth grade what a what a rough one (laughs) I was like kind of wrestling with this guy Eric I don't know we were fighting or something at recess rolling around um and some kids gathered around they were like a fight a fight 
the N-word, an N-word and a white. Oh, Roxana uh-huh. is the N-word. Eric is the white. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm that too, I guess. Because in or- if I'm not white, basically, I'm the other. I'm That's mm-hmm. what I get. So after that year, I felt, you know, in a way very kind of small, like something like shrank inside of me a little bit. And at the same time, I decided I was going to be a defender of all races. Mm-hmm. Like I became this vocal like champion against racial injustice. And so in high school, I remember my white friends, like they would go, you're Jewish. Oh, don't be so Jewish. You know, they use that term all the time if you were like stingy, right? Don't be so, you're so Jewish. And I go, that's not nice. <laughs> that's not nice. Or if they, I was at a, a party once and they were playing a drinking game and they were like, names for black people. And they started going around. And I was like, this is wrong. And I like walked out of the party. And um, so we had no black friends. That names party. for black people. It was horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They started slurs. like Laquisha. Slurs. Oh, oh. No, 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 slurs. 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 There are not oh, that many. Like how oh, many? They started going around, and I was like, I "This is names. no names yeah. like slurs for yeah. black people." Yeah, and I was like, oh, "Yeah, they should have said slurs." And there was zero shame about this. Like, this oh no, they like, were like, "Have a drink," you know. I was like, "What is happening?" You know, at the same time, these were my classmates. So it was, mm-hmm. and where was I, where was I to go? Because this, I mean, I remember, I have a memory from junior high, the Spanish speaking girls in my sewing class, which I got to see, I'll admit it. <laughs> um, it wasn't my strong suit, but I remember them. Uh, they would wrap their hair and spray it with Aquanet and speak Spanish to each other. And I was like, eh. I was like <laughs> on the side of them, just like ratting my hair with Aquanet, but like I couldn't speak Spanish. So I'm like, <laughs> like my hair fit in, but I, I didn't fit in, you know? So I, it's not like I had a group that mm-hmm. I could go to. Um, I just didn't feel like I had a group I could go to. And it affected me so much that that kind of that feeling of just being an other just like mm-hmm. floating around I went when I went to college that was my major I did, went to Berkeley as far away from Orange County politics <laughs> as I could get um and I did a make your own major which they don't let you do anymore but I did a make your own major called the politics of American cultures and I studied like all the peoples and like I'm gonna learn about like injustice in America again you know women's mm-hmm. studies African-American studies and Third world cinema, all sorts of classes, and um, third world cinema. yeah, third world cinema. I wrote my thesis on Salman Rushdie's Midnight's Children, on this. I titled it "The Politics of Hybridity," which isn't a word, but being a hybrid, <laughs> like the character was a hybrid, and Indian culture is a hybrid. And I was like, I was just trying to work out my own feelings mm-hmm. of being this kind of mixed identity in a way, and then. At the same time, I could see myself, I was avoiding my own people. I was avoiding Spanish speakers Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to experience the shame of being rejected. Like Like you weren't Latin enough. I wasn't Latin enough, but I was too Latin. Right. So So you were nowhere. I was nowhere. You were nothing. I was nothing. I am nothing. I was nothing. Full circle. But then I was like, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be something. No, I'm going to go claim my roots. I went and moved to Spain and I, you know, learned how to speak Spanish. 
um, the with the wrong Spanish, accent. Yeah. Muchas gracias. <laughs> and then I dated a Mexican guy for over three years and was like, yeah, I'm down with that now. And I went and I hiked Machu Picchu. I'm like, I'm Peruvian! <laughs> yeah, when I got to the top. <laughs> no. But I could see myself that if I had a bad Spanish day or something, which I had many and still do, but if I, I was <laughs> at the mean? farmer's market, I was like if I forgot a word, let's oh. say, I forgot the word for broccoli once, trying to get broccoli. This was in Spain. I was like, um, um, yo quiero este, um, este vegetal. And he was like, broccoli. And I was like, oh, si, broccoli. And like, shame. Just like, I'm the worst. The you worst you were Latina. Passing. You thought you were Yeah, passing. I'm like, these are my people. They're going to accept me. And I was like, I don't even know the word for broccoli, which is broccoli. broccoli. It, also, it also happened with the word tampon, which is tampon. That's a whole other story. But so my identity was always on the line. I was good. If I, you know, if I felt like I was accepted, then I was good. In my own eyes, I felt good and I accepted myself, you know, wow. and I started realizing this um, thanks to a lot of Oprah <laughs> and uh, Brene Brown and all like, oh, OK, I, I've spent all this time like it's somewhere inside being worried about what I should be, that I wasn't what I should be, that I was not accepting and loving who I who I was. <laughs> no, just kidding. But um, no, but it was like it was yeah. that. So, so I've come to a place where I accept myself and love all sides of myself. And I married a black man in January, um, who who was raised in Connecticut and Japan. And um, yeah, he still hasn't played rock paper scissors with me in Japanese, but um, I will force him to at one point. But we had we were having a conversation recently about our future kids, and I was like, they're gonna be so mixed. They're gonna be. So mixed, you know. I was so excited, like my thesis was coming true. Right. Like I'm more of more hybridity, and he goes, "This is America. Your kids are going to be black." Yeah. yeah. And I said, "Wait a minute!" Like I got up, I was like, "Wait a minute! I don't care about like America's going to look at our child as black." Yes. Of course, but my child doesn't have to have his identity dictated by an ignorant, racist system. We can raise our child to embrace everything that he or she is. I was like, rah, rah. we were in a Mexican restaurant at the time. I was like, this is that, you know, um, I got real vehement. Yeah, exactly. I was like, they will be Peruvian and Mexican and black and Spanish and Arab and all of it. And Jesus. But not Jesus. Not because, Jesus. Big statement. because one... That's crazy. <laughs> my, mom, my mom was crazy. And two, I really don't identify with being a Catholic anymore. Right. <laughs> but that's such a huge sentence. This is America. Your kids will be black. It's true. Yes. It's true. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, when I, I study, have studied the history of that and the one drop rule and, and, and rule. I, but it really is. All right. I don't know the one drop rule. Oh, you don't know the no. one drop rule? Tell, back in slavery Educate times. the white person, mm-hmm. please, about the one drop rule. Uh, back in... Uh, Defer to the black man. Back in slavery times... For the expert here. Yeah. You know, because, you know, because of because there were so many slave masters, you know, having sex with the slaves and making sure, babies. Sure, sure. So do those children become the heirs to the slave master? The answer to that was decidedly no. no. And that if you have one... So even if those children have... You know, if the, if the mixed child has a baby, you know, it's like, yeah. it gets watered down after yep. a while. Like, you can't even tell somebody's black, but they go, well, your great-great-grandmother was black, so you are black. Yeah. So, yeah. and that was the that was, that was the rule. Mm-hmm. And, like, throughout Jim Crow, it was, like, a way mm-hmm. to, 
you know, segregate. Segregate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. I've never heard that phrase. Have you heard that? No. So it, oh, really? it, it proves drop. what we don't know. Yeah. The one mm-hmm. drop rule. Yeah. yeah. So I understand, I understand that, but it's, That's so I totally understand that. However, I think in my own experience or what I, somehow I came across on the internet, the bill of rights for mixed race people. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I love this mm-hmm. because I, my experience is mixed. And I think a lot of immigrant children of immigrants feel mixed essentially culturally, at least if not racially. And the bill of rights said like, um, I can determine, I get to determine what I identify with. Mm-hmm. It can change throughout my life. It can change any day. It can change based on what group I'm with. <clears throat> And it, it just was a great, everything about it I loved. And so I'd like to raise my child with that, knowing that, I mean, if he or she decides to identify primarily as black or that's the way that they're seen, then great. But there's, you're able to embrace everything and first and foremost, that you're a human being, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah. So. Well, there was that... I I hate to quote it because I know only parts of it, but there was that story about that guy who did his genetic testing, and he he looks black. He was treated black, like all he mm-hmm. dealt with all those things, and he found out he wasn't black at all. He was like Korean, Native American, white, and something else, but the and maybe Spanish. And the mm-hmm. combination of those things led to like dark skin and curly hair, and so he just he looked like a light skinned black guy. Dolezaled himself. Yeah, he does all himself. But, <laughs> he, but yeah, naturally. And he told his mother, he's like, it turns out we're not black at all. And she was like, well, I've spent my entire life wow. being a black woman and being treated like a black woman. I'm not going to change my identity, even though it actually has nothing to do with, it's actually not what my racial makeup is. Mm-hmm. Which is so, I understand that idea of yeah. like, I would 100% be like, empower them to be what they want, but you have to deal with the, the fact that they're all these jerks that look at you and go, well, you're that. Well, people want to yeah. put labels on you. They just, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, I, I shouldn't hijack it. Oh, wait. Well, I was going to say, like, to that, because my experience from the outside, you know, being around people who are mixed race, meaning they they look black, but their their mother might be white or Hispanic or something, but they look black. The ones that embrace the black culture seem to cope better mm-hmm. because they're in a world where everywhere they go, they're treated like a black person uh-huh. yeah. as opposed to the ones who were raised to just like, Hey, that's, you're not black. You're everything. And they keep, they get in the world. They keep trying to like, no, that's not, you're defining me this way. And they, and what I've seen just from the outside observing, those are the ones they tend to struggle more with their identity. Uh, I remember like Halle Berry telling a story. I point to you because you're as beautiful as Halle Berry. Um, <laughs> He's pointing doing... to Roxy, not me and Mary. Yeah. <laughs> pointing to the Latina. Um, no, because you just did my. Anyway, it's a long story. Um, but anyway, I remember Halle Berry telling a story on Oprah, who I learned a lot from as well. Um, I learned so much from Oprah and Dear Abby. Um, but I'm not even kidding. But anyway, on Oprah, uh, Halle Berry was on Oprah once and she talked about how when she was a child, because she's half black, half white. And she asked her mother, well, what am I? And her mother walked into the bathroom and put in front of the mirror and said, what do you see? And she said, do you see a black girl? Or do you see a white girl? She said, I see black. That's the way the world's going to see you. So that's how you have to wow. be. That's what you have to be prepared for. You know, so. That's Smart that was, mom. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. But I think you also have to embrace all of you. Yeah. I mean, I'm black, but I'm not, you know, I'm not Africa black. So clearly there's some other stuff in there. But it doesn't really matter to me because that's not the reality I live in. And you're you know? like 
25% Native American, aren't you? No, I don't think. I don't think. My family says we have Native American. In I thought us, but you I have like really... a picture of a grand. I do. I mean, the, I have a picture of um, a great, great grandfather, I think. It might be three greats mm. or two greats, who was a slave with his wife, Mary, who at first I heard was a slave. Then later I heard she was a slave, that she was a Choctaw uh, Indian from Mississippi, which is where they come from, and they are black Indians. I'm saying, I've, I've researched it, so I oh, there are black Choctaw Indians from Mississippi. And that's where my family is from after they got off that long boat ride. <laughs> um, and um, and so the, the story I heard originally was that they were both slaves and that he worked and was able to pay to buy his own freedom because you could be a slave and get a job. Mm-hmm. And then he continued working and paid for her freedom. Then other relatives told me, no, she was never a slave because she was an Indian. And um, and that's, you know, so I'm just like, but I think a lot of black people say they have Native American in them. And I don't think they have as much as they do. Well, all people love to say they're Native American. Yeah, it's like I know, a weird, and I don't think um, it happens. We were mildly well, oppressed. So. No, well, <laughs> and in South American culture, they don't want to say that they're Native. Or they go, no, the Natives have a mark on them. That's what, yeah, it's They like have a, weird... a mark. It's very... You know, you want to be more European, European of course. which is why also my mom was like, we're Scottish. We're, you know, her last name was Campbell. And she's like, no, our family comes from Scotland and Spain. And she wanted me to know that. Yeah. And they're very light skin, very light skin. And my dad was darker skin and had more, you know, the cheekbones more like I'm we're like, you're Indio, like you've got you know, Mexican Indian blood in, in you. And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, right. you want to, yeah, there's some shame going on there. there. But he experienced yeah. racism in, in LA. There was one day when Mexicans could swim in the swimming pools. My mom told me, and he grew up in that really, really rough. Jesus. And this same shame we have in the black community, which is why a lot of black people say like, Oh no, I'm mixed. I have this. And my grandmother says, I'm just like, yeah, but you look black, so just, I mean, like, that's the way the world's going to treat you. Yeah. And you should be proud of that. It's beautiful. Right. And to say, like, oh, I'm not just black. Well, what's wrong with being just black? That's exactly. what I want to say. Yeah, there's nothing wrong right. with that. There's nothing right. wrong. And if you decide, and if that's where you identify, see, I would say culturally I always identified more with my South American family because I grew up around my South American mm-hmm. family, not my Mexican family. Mm-hmm. So... I just, but I never knew how to articulate that, ar- right. articulate that in a word. What, what's the word? I'm South American, or I'm Latina. Now I say I'm Latina, right. but truth be told, I feel very Californian and mm-hmm. very yeah, um, South American, some culturally, mm-hmm. but then Mexican because I grew up in California, but not really. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so Americanized. I'm so, mm-hmm. and then I'm just weird. Yeah, yeah, like I mostly I, feel but the really truth is weird. we all are. I mean, in America, we're all mutts for I the mean, most it's part. Yeah. You know? yeah. Exactly. So, so I, I think not embracing mutt, the mutt is yeah. that's mm-hmm. I yeah. guess yeah. how I'm embracing the mutt. And also because I look, mm-hmm. people will go like, "What are you?" Or I'm accused of being, you know, accused accused of being yeah. person. No, Brazilian. <laughs> You're Brazilian. I go, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're Brazilian. No, I'm not. It's me. I'm answering for myself. I know who I am. Yeah, Yeah. or you're Persian. You're, no, you know, so I'm kind of look mixed as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, Um, I can imagine because you're an actor that there's probably a multitude of parts you could go out for. I should have, and I should change my name, but the the last name, I just kept my last name because I was proud of that last name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But had I gone the road of that one Latino guy who was in Star Wars and he's playing all sorts of, he's Mm -hmm. played all sorts of stuff, but his last name is Or if you'd gone with Campbell. 
Right. Or Campbell, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. But Dying. Campbell. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking of taking my husband's last name. Are you listening, baby? Um, <laughs> because then it also affects me in the voiceover world. I do voiceover, and I can feel even there a little bit of the racism or prejudice that mm. they want me to do all Spanish speaking or things with accents. Well, this is my voice. Right. And if I were Roxy Robinson, which they is would, such a great name, so I really yeah. do. Alliteration. Alliteration. Yeah. Alliteration I can always do anything. Sells. Do it. I said do it. Roxy Robinson. That's good. Okay. All right. Neil, you're, you're up. I'm excited. Cool. So, um, <laughs> uh, I'll just tell you guys some like some a few stories, a few things that have happened that have happened. Uh, I grew up Indian in the South, which was great. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my favorite thing to do. Yeah, I recommend it. Don't. Um, <laughs> I grew up in Alpharetta, Georgia, uh, which is like the suburbs of Atlanta. Um, and, and kind of like what Jordan was saying, with like there was like, you know, there's always jokes. There was always like, you know, black jokes. And for me, I guess it was brown jokes, white jokes. Um, people would call me like names like Towelhead and, and Dothead and, and stuff oh, like that. Nice. Well, yeah, I would always embrace it. I would always be like, you know, Towelhead. Yes, I, I dry my hair. That's fine. Um, <laughs> no, no problem. Um, was there an a Indian community where you lived or were you... I had, I had family. Uh-huh. I had family. My family lived there. My family, uh, my entire family emigrated. My dad and his brother and uh, his sisters and some of my mom's family. It was a big community in Alpharetta, Georgia. So I, I grew up around them. But as far as like school went, I was pretty much alone. It was mm-hmm. pretty much me and uh, everyone else. And um, one name I got called, which people don't remember, or <laughs> but I, I do, was uh, I got called Haji for years. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, do you remember Haji? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I'm trying to make that the, the brown N-word is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I'm trying to make like, no, don't you, you can't say that. <laughs> you know, like, I've heard it in movies, that's why. Yeah, yeah. Haji. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got called Haji for years. It was uh, from a cartoon from uh, Johnny Quest. Uh-huh. Is what that's it was right, from. Yeah. There was an Indian dude named Haji who could like, Breathe underwater or something crazy like that. <laughs> Can't you guys all breathe underwater? Right. Yeah, we can all breathe yeah, underwater. Yeah, yeah. That's what, and we yeah. eat monkey brains. Right, um, amazing swimmers. Great swimmers. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got called Haji for a long time. That was a that was a fun one. I'm, I'm trying to embrace that. Like I said, trying to try to make that my N word. Like where it's like, what's up? Me and my Hajis were hanging out. You know? <laughs> you know, all these Haji ladies were, you know, whatever. <laughs> but um, not not so catchy. Maybe the first Indian rapper can adapt that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lil Haji or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Haji's with attitude. Haji's with attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. HWA. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I didn't really experience uh, too. I experienced a lot of jokes and a lot of name calling and stuff like that. The first time I actually experienced like real, like where it actually affected me was uh, I was, I dated, I dated uh, when I was a kid, I would get in like, like girlfriends, you know, like middle school girlfriends or high school girlfriends and stuff like that. And uh, my parents were really, they really wanted to instill the uh, marry an Indian girl on me. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I was like, well, let me experiment with white women. <laughs> I mean, might as well. Um, you know, while I'm in middle school, eh, throw it out there. <laughs> and um, when I was 12 years old, I dated a girl named, uh, can I name names? Is that okay? Yeah, I'm not going to give you. a full name. I'm not yeah, going like, yeah. to be like, find her on Facebook and yeah. <laughs> stalk her. Totally uh, Lou Dobzer. Just put her phone yeah. number Well, right her, name was, her name was Kristen. There are a lot of girls named Kristen yeah, from are. where I'm from. That's a common mm-hmm. white name. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, so Kristen and I dated in middle school, and it was mostly like you know very innocent dating. It wasn't like yeah we would make out in the. It was like we held hands. We I put notes in her locker. Uh, we went to movies. Our parents would drop us off individually at a movie. We would <laughs> I'd buy the tickets for my allowance. And then we go see a movie, and I maybe, maybe put my arm around her. Maybe. If it was like, <laughs> it was like a sixth date, maybe. Right. <laughs> so it was mostly just like us talking on AIM and doing like really silly things and stuff. And uh, slowly but surely, Kristen uh, started trying to uh, convert me to Christianity. Oh. <laughs> which was fun. And it was like very subtle. It was which very, was fun. It was fun. Uh, yeah. It was very subtle, like where she would buy me like a cross necklace for my birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, that's not, okay. I don't know how to sh- tell my mom I'm wearing this, but uh, sure. Uh, and I was raised Hindu. Uh, and I was, I was a pretty, uh, I was Hindu. My parents were pretty cool. I ate beef, uh, which was a big deal to them. They didn't eat beef. Because uh, I, I just loved McDonald's. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. It's like my God's delicious and I get a toy. I can't do. I can't. It's a bug's life caterpillar. Um, but uh, so I, I was I, I was like pretty loose Hindu. I wasn't Christian, obviously, but I, I identify with Hinduism in the sense that it was a cultural thing. It was my, mm-hmm. my family's thing. We were Hindu together. We uh, celebrated the holidays. We practiced and stuff. So I had some loyalty to it you know now i'm like well you know i'm now i'm an adult and i'm like eh, monkeys no um, <laughs> i believe in the, the no, i believe in the you know hinduism is the philosophy the bhavad gita it's, it all teaches great morality mm-hmm. and stuff but the actual religion i don't follow kind of like most religions they don't teach you to murder or kill people you know christianity mm-hmm. you know or uh, islam or any other religion teaches you the basic core values and you should you know just do that to be a good person and whatever and uh but when i was a kid i had some loyalty to it because my parents were hindu so I had to, like, let her know. I was like, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not Christian. She's like, just come to church. Why don't you just come to church with me she one time? Hardcore. She was hardcore. <laughs> she did not. Give it to her, Christian. She didn't, yeah, she didn't let up. Christian. So, um, yeah, it was it was real. It was, it, uh, so she tried to get me to go to church, and I was like, you know what? I'll go to church for my for my girlfriend that I AI, <laughs> that I AIM with, and maybe I'll get to touch her boob. Maybe I'll get, yeah, maybe yeah. I'll get to touch her boob. I eat the Eucharist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That sounds dirty. Yeah, I could, I'll try the body of Christ. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so I went to her church, and uh, <laughs> I did it. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget. It was the only time I'd ever been to church. It was the only time I ever went to church, and. The only I don't know obviously this can't happen at every church every sermon, but they talk shit about Hinduism. No, <laughs> the one the one time. Wow, the one time I went to church, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I went to church and uh, you know this normal uh, preacher, normal <laughs> service. They sang songs and then he gave his sermon, I guess, or mm-hmm. his speech. And in the sermon, he was like, he was like, you know, and Christianity is the only you know uh, religion where there's there's actual data. Or proof backing up our religion. We have we have Jesus's body and this and blah blah. blah. And I'm then he was like, to him. right? Not really, yeah. And she's related. Right. And he's related to Roxana. And, uh, <laughs> so he was talking. He's like, and he goes, even the Hindus don't have any proof. And I was sitting there like, me? Oh, me? What about? I didn't, I just came here to learn wow. about your your church. And it was after that when I was like, I can never go. To, I can't go to your church anymore. There's no way. Do you hear what he said about me? Like, and then he shook my hand afterwards too. He was oh. like, you walk. I don't know if this is at every church, but we 
when we left, the guy, the pastor was like waiting and he was oh, shaking yeah. everyone's hands. Does that happen? Not at every church. Not at Catholic They did that in Catholic sometimes. I don't remember that. would be out there. Out there. Yeah, he was out there. Sometimes. It depends. Yeah. Yeah, and so he was out there and he shook my hand. I was like, oh, you're racist. And then I like, you know, <laughs> um, you know I shook his hand and uh, I was like, I can't. I was like, I don't know if I can go to church with you anymore. And then she was like, why don't why don't you have, uh, then like, you know, one of our other days, she's like, why don't you, because I went with her family. Her family was there. Mm. And uh, yeah, and they were very, very judgy. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, she was trying to keep her boyfriend. I swear mommy's going to be. A he's going to be. Yeah, he's, it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> so I eventually uh, had dinner with her family. That was like, I think it was after the church, after I was like, I can't do that. And she's like, why don't you have dinner with our family? And I had dinner and I thought I was killing it because I was like, in sixth grade, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm studying calculus. I'm Indian. No big deal. I was like, crush- <laughs> I thought I was crushing it. I thought I was crushing this date because uh, I was like, a, I was a smart kid. I was like, I had ambition. I was like, you know, doing like, uh, just, I was doing a lot of stuff, you know, as a kid. And, and I thought like, I murdered this dinner. I was like, I'm in, I don't need to be Christian. <laughs> and uh then uh i think it was it was either i don't it was the week after that at school she was being weird you know not being so close and everything and then she called me on my house phone my mom had to pick i didn't know this wasn't cell phone days my mom picked up hello you know and then uh hey is neil there uh, who, why is it girl calling you know and then uh gave me the phone and everything and uh she broke up with me because her parents wanted her to date someone with Christian values. Ooh. Yeah, which which really hurt. Because it was like, well, I have the same, it's the same values. Mm-hmm. Like, right. we yeah. both want to be, you know, we both, I don't want to murder people. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> right. I don't want to steal. I don't, I don't lie. I don't, you know. Uh, but that was the first time it affected me where I was like, oh, wow. Like, it got to her parents. It got to them that I wasn't the same. It was clearly just that he's brown. We can't have our daughter in pictures with, a, right. you know, like a, right. a mm-hmm. dude. And, uh, I mean, it hurt, but it was just like, I, I remember learning, uh, even then I was smart enough to be like, well, just don't date Christians. Like, it's like, it's don't, <laughs> right. just don't, I remember thinking, don't date religious people, people that are just tied to their religion and can't have it any other way. And, uh, I was hurt. I mean, it was my, it was one of my first girlfriends and it, it, it affected me. It bothered me, but, uh, yeah, it, it, but it made sense. It was like her family was that way. We were in the South. They didn't want her dating someone who looked like me or had the same, or different beliefs or thoughts or, or anything. But uh, that was probably my first time actually like confronting racism front on, like full on, uh, was her family and that church. Um, but, <laughs> uh, that was probably that was probably the first time. I also experienced it. Uh, my I found out my mom was racist when I was a kid. That was fun. <laughs> uh, oh, oh yeah. Again. yeah. Well, I didn't know. So I was I was eight years old. This was before my middle school date. And uh, I was eight years old, and I had a friend in fourth grade named Parwanth. And I thought that was fun. We had the same complexion. I was like, this is, <laughs> is going to be great. High five, you know. <laughs> and um, I, I wanted to hang out with Parwanth outside of school. And my mom was like, oh, is he from India? I was like, no, he's from Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was some like deep-seated, <laughs> yeah. war-torn yeah. racism. Right. And uh, my mom had to like give me a history lesson about like, oh, well, Pakistan used to be India, but now they're bombing us for Kashmir. And uh, I was like, I was eight, so I was like, just give them the sweaters, give them the Kashmir sweater, doesn't doesn't matter, move on, (laughs) solve the war. And um, but uh, my mom was always really skeptic of me hanging out with Parwant. And whenever we would hang out, it was always like a. Even my mom and his mom had like a weird like, Mm -hmm. all right, bye. You know, like it was was definitely really strange. But I I didn't know, like I never grew up around that. 
And uh, it came up a lot because uh, uh, this was when I was 13, I tried to buy uh, the Adidas breakaway pants. I was trying to be Iverson. I was trying to, you know, and uh, I was, I played basketball and I tried to buy the pants and I couldn't get the pants. And I remember why I couldn't get the pants is because they were made in Pakistan. And my mom, wow. my mom wouldn't buy them. Wow! And I was thirteen at that time, so I I was like I was at the age where I was like, Mom, you're racist. You're such a racist, Mom. I hate you. You know, like I was like that that teenage angst and everything. And uh, what's funny is my mom actually got me the pants. She got them custom made in India. Oh, <laughs> wow. Them, that is crazy. Yeah, which is great. Which is the sweetest thing yeah. ever, yes. has yes. ever done derived from pure racism. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, funny. Pure war-torn racism. <laughs> um, war-torn racism. <laughs> <laughs> My pure... mom was racist against yeah. Chileans, which was so specific. Right. She so would specific. never eat Chilean bass. See, <laughs> Chilean sea, we go, Mom, you want some sea bass? No, I want nothing to do with the Chileans. They burned our library. <laughs> I was like, what is the library <laughs> war of? To do with between this Chile and yeah. Peru, like oh. now, so if you're funny. Pakistani, you're probably mm-hmm. Muslim, correct? Muslim, P- yeah. possibly. But was she? Did she have an objection to Pakistani, or was it? It was specific. Religious? It was specific Pakistani, specific okay. that country, because mm-hmm. yeah. she grew up in India, like post Gandhi, I guess. Is that mm-hmm. I don't know what to call. It's not. It's like here. It's like post 9/11. You have a right. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like and Gandhi's a real. Yeah, Gandhi was <laughs> I guess the marker because mm-hmm. you know after Gandhi. Uh, before India was, uh, it was colonized by uh, the UK. Yeah, before it was independent, uh, Pakistan and India split over how they wanted to fight for their freedom, whether mm. it was physical war or whatever. Mm. And so they split. And my mom grew up like, like 10, 15 years after. She was born like 15 years after that. And it was, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, they say like, you know, in America, when slavery ended, it wasn't just cool for black mm-hmm. people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Same thing with India and Pakistan. It wasn't just cool. It wasn't just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, we're different countries now. It was like, oh, I still hate you, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. So when they split, there was still like a lot of war going on. And my mom has this deep seated hatred toward and which I don't understand because I didn't grow up there. I didn't mm-hmm. grow up with that feeling. And I, I have no problem with Pakistani people or Muslims. In fact, I have friends that are Pakistani or friends that are Muslim friends that are Persian and friends that are this, you know. So it, it never bothered me, but my mom has that, like, deep... It's, like, really, like, won't buy the pants racism. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. well, if something's made in Pakistan, I'm not buying it. Or kind of like we were saying, mm-hmm. with sea bass, mom won't eat their food. She won't yeah. do any of that stuff. So uh, I remember experiencing racism from her when I was eight. And uh, <laughs> But uh, the last story I'm going to tell, and I'll wrap it up with this, is I wasn't gonna actually going to tell this until I heard your story uh, about being pulled over mm-hmm. and, and everything. I um I it never really equated it to racism, but now looking back, I guess it, it was racism. I um when I was seventeen sixteen or seventeen, I had a job at my mom's a pharmacist. So she got me a job at a pharmacy to uh like I was like the, the pharmacy technician. I would just like basically I was a dude who counted the pills uh-huh. and put them in the bottle. I did all the work and the pharmacist was like a pharmacist's job is basically just be like, Yeah, that's good and like right. <laughs> and uh like they're held liable for everything that I do. Like every direction that I put on the bottle, every pill that I count, like they're held liable like if so if there's like five missing, it's their fault. Uh I didn't take it, you know, so right. uh, <laughs> So I worked at a pharmacy, and uh, I would uh, I had to, I drove to the pharmacy. I had a shitty beat up Acura, like it was like <laughs> primer color. It was disgusting. And uh, uh, on my way to work, I, I pulled out of my neighborhood, and I was follow. I worked really close to home, 
and maybe like a mile and a half from where I lived and out like pretty much out of my neighborhood I was followed by a cop and I thought you know I was like whatever well as long as I don't do anything illegal I'm not gonna get pulled over there's no like there's no problem you know stop at the stop signs and stop at the red lights and turn on my turn signal (laughs) so you know you do the normal stuff that you have to do to not get pulled over I finally pull into where I'm working he follows me into the parking lot of the the pharmacy it was a Kroger pharmacy which is like Ralph's mm-hmm. here. Right. It was like a Ralph's yeah. pharmacy. So he pulls, uh, he pulls into that pharmacy, and then he blocks me off in my mm. parking spot. Turns on his lights, and I'm like, I already got here. I'm safe. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm this is home base. You know, like I parked my car. What did I do? So I'm like, I'm confused. I'm like, you know, I didn't stop. I didn't run a light. I didn't speed. I didn't. You know, he's following me the whole way. I'm not gonna speed. And you're a new the... driver. Yeah, so I'm a new you're driver. Already like, I'm terrified. I'm right. 16, 17 years old. And I'm even wearing I am even wearing my pharmacy coat mm-hmm. to be like I work here, <laughs> like so a lab coat. Like, yeah, like a yeah. lab coat. It's like a white lab. I'm a doctor, you know. <laughs> I'm just a Doogie really Hauser. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the Indian Doogie Hauser. I'm Doogie Patel. Um, <laughs> so, so he uh, he he's like he stops me and he goes uh, he's like uh, your taillight's broken and mm-hmm. I was like I don't think it is but you know I was like I, I didn't know in the like position to argue I was like okay sorry you know do you need to give me a ticket or whatever. And uh, he goes, um, actually, uh, do you mind if I get a canine to sniff your car? And, uh, you know, at that point, like, what am I going to say? No, like, no, you can't. I didn't have any drugs. I didn't do. I was 16 years old. I'd never done drugs. And um, so I was like, yeah, sure, I guess. So he calls backup. He doesn't even have a canine with him. He calls it. Yeah. Which is crazy for a broken tail. He calls backup for a broken taillight. On a 16-year-old, 16-year-old me, and I'm running late to work, too. I'm like, hey, I got to be at work in, like, 10 minutes, like, here. In the legal drug. This is where I work, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so so then he calls in the canine unit. The guy shows up, and it's... uh, this this cop was actually nicer than the one that actually that pulled me over and he takes the dog out and i'm like do you need me to get out of the car he's like no stay in the car i'm dog's gonna sniff around your car so the dog sniffs around my car like a normal dog would sniff around a car (laughs) you know just like oh yeah smells like a car you know didn't bark didn't freak out didn't whatever so then the cop is like he lingered around your trunk and I was like, he, oh, he, right. he lingered around the trunk. So he's like, can you step out of the car? I was like, sure. So I step out and the other cop is watching me. He's like, watch him so he doesn't like run. I'm like, I'm going to, you think I'm going to run? Like, wh- where am I going to run? Like, I to work here. To my yeah. job? Yeah, I work here. What do you mean? And, you have my car. So yeah, you, you have my car. Out. Yeah, where am I supposed to go? So the cop is like, he's like, watch him. You know, I'm like standing there like, all right, I won't, you know. And uh, so then he goes, can the dog go in your car? I was like, sure, I guess. I guess that's the next move. So the dog goes in my car and the dog sits in my car like any dog would sit in a right. car. So I'm like, I pass. Like, this is fine. The dog smells a seat. He's like, yeah, it's a seat. You know, and then it smells the glove compartment. That's what the glove compartment smells like. And um, then he's like, he he's, uh, still smells in the back of the car. He smells the truck. Can you open your trunk? Sure, whatever. I, and then I opened my trunk and I had some food in there, like uh, I had, like groceries, not like yeah. food, food, not like Chipotle or anything. Not McDonald's. Yeah, not McDonald's. Right. Not my God. No beef. No yeah, beef. no beef. Right. Uh, it was like uh, like bags of potato chips and like <laughs> you know like uh, Capri Sun and like, oh, yeah, just, so innocent. Just, just normal shit. Yeah, just normal right. shit. And then the cop started questioning me. He was like, "Why do you have food in your car?" 
And I was what? like, I, I was like, I went grocery shopping. I haven't emptied it out. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, <laughs> are you my mom? Like, what? What's happening? And uh, and then he was like, Are you homeless? Do you live in your car? I was like, what? Yeah, I live in my car and I work at this pharmacy. Like, what are you? What are you right. flying? I was like, It's a shitty car. I get it. It's a really shitty car. But I live with my parents. I'm 16. What are you talking about? And then he starts yelling. Then he gets like really mad. He's like, Where are the drugs? I'm like, Where Where are the drugs? I don't, oh. I don't know what you're talking about. There's food and there's me. <laughs> and then I'm like, and I, I, and I'm like, Hey, I'm late to work now. Can I let them know that I'm like out here or something? Like, what do I? And he was like, no, you can't. And I was like, I can't go inside. And he was like, no, not until we find the drugs. And I was like, wow. there's no drugs. I don't have any drugs. Right. I don't know what you want me to do. But at this point, I'm like terrified because I'm like, yeah. this dude could plant drugs in my car. Mm, like, yeah. what if this dude's like, aha, you know, like to me <laughs> at some point. So I'm just like, be nice, be compliant, be cool. Like in my head, I'm like, dude, this guy's determined to find drugs. I don't want to like piss him off and make him find drugs that aren't there. So... He threatens me a bunch where he's like, I'll cut open the seats. I'll just cut, I'll cut these seats open. I don't care. I'm going to find the drugs. And I was Jesus. like, dude, I, I don't, I don't know what you want me to tell you. I can't tell you there's drugs. There's none. There's never, he's like, there's never been drugs. You haven't smoked in here. <laughs> no, I've never smoked in this car. I don't know why you think your dog's doing anything, but that's what my dog does in my car. <laughs> you know? I don't, I still don't understand what's going on. I still to this day don't know what qualifies a drug dog. <laughs> to like, I, I assume they had to bark or some shit, you know? Yeah, I think they, that's the that's thing. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah they got to right? bark or some shit. Nothing. The dog just smelling the food. He, he just acted like a dog. He just acted like a dog. <laughs> just tail wagging and shit. Like, normal dog. So, eventually, they rummage through my car. They rummage through the back. They do everything they can. They look through the glove compartment. They look through the sides. Everything's rearranged. Everything's moved around. It's crazy. And they eventually let me go. And uh, they give me a warning. They write me a ticket for a warning. For, for what? A ticket. For the, yeah. for the, for the, the tail light. Oh. For oh, the okay. tail light is broken. And I'm, like, terrified. I go to work. And I tell them what happened. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry, whatever. I get through my shift. I go home. I tell my parents about what happened. I'm like, we got to get this taillight fixed. I got fucking this dude searched my car. And so my dad got in the car and he checked and the taillight was fine. Was it, <gasps> was it broken? Taillight, uh, none of the lights were broken. Front, the back. But he every, gave you a ticket. But he gave me a ticket that I had to like, uh, it was so, a warning. So yes. I didn't have to pay or anything. It's a fix-it ticket. You got to go and ticket. show them right. that yeah. you fixed Prove it. that right. you fixed your taillight. So I had to prove. That my not broken taillight was, was broken. broken and then fixed. And, and, and you know, it, this is the thing where it's like, I mean, I don't know what I could have done and be like, hey, could you get in here and like step on the brake and show me? Like, what do you do in that right. situation? Well, when but you're I'll 16, never. For- you probably don't do anything. Right. Yeah. I was terrified. And, I, and the, when he started doing the drug thing, I was definitely like, okay, this guy's not fucking around. Like, if mm-hmm. he, he could drop anything, like, he's a cop. He could have evidence. He could have coke. He could have dr- any crap. Yeah. He could have anything on him to throw in my car and be like, what's that? You know, like, what am I going to say? Like, it's not mine. Like, I don't know. I, and you know that crack? happens all the time. Sure. So, yeah. so I definitely, like, as soon as he brought the drug stuff, I was like, look, man, I'm sorry. You got the wrong car. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but please search wherever you like. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was a fix-it ticket that he gave me. And uh, my car was, I never had a had a taillight. It was fine. It was what did your everything. dad say? My dad, I mean, he believed me. He and we have an uh, aunt that was a lawyer, and I talked to her, and she was like, "Don't even try." <laughs> she was like, "Don't even try to bring this up." She was like, "They're gonna target you. They're mm. gonna they're gonna target your license plate. They're gonna target your car. You know, wherever you go, you you were in the right, neighborhood." So you have no you have no recourse, no recourse for justice. Yeah. Like no you have nothing recourse. you can do to say you fucking racially profiled me. 
because they're just going to come after you again. Yeah. And right. Make it yeah. worse. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you have they to have take all it. the power. Right. right. And my aunt was like, honestly, this is not that bad. There's been, I've dealt with worse. Like, <laughs> she was, yeah, she was a lawyer. So she's like, I've met people that have dealt with much worse. Let this go. You have no recourse. Don't yeah. try to fight it. Don't try to bring this up. Uh, but that was, uh, yeah, that was uh, one time where I felt incredibly racially profiled and uh you know and the same thing that you were saying with like the the thing where cops will let people go like oh you guys are good old boys you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, i i've been in cars i was in a car once in the passenger seat with a white friend and uh, a couple other white people in the back and i was in the passenger seat so i was like i was terrified but he was racing another car and he had drugs in the car and uh i was also in high school i was like 16 or 17 years old and he had weed. It was 16, you know. Was, we were cool kids. And uh, <laughs> we were super chill. Sure. And uh, he, had, he had weed in the car. We got pulled over because he was racing. He was going like 65 in a 40 or something. He was racing his other friend, another white dude, in a Beamer. And they were just like, yeah, fuck it. And they just like started <laughs> racing. And the cop pulled us over and we were going so fucking fast. I'd got, I, I've been Indian and driving and gotten tickets for like... 10 miles per hour less mm. than that or like 15 less than that no warning no bullshit we get pulled over and there's drugs in the car and i'm terrified i'm like all right well i'm going to jail i don't know about you guys right. but i'm definitely going to jail and same thing the cop uh checked out his license plate went back ran his was like yeah clean record you seem like a good kid so right. uh you know mm-hmm. just get home safely all right just just you know just slow it down slow, slow it down, down buddy. Be, you know yeah. be responsible this is gonna be a warning like no, ri- I, whenever Not I get a written a, warning, whenever right. I get a warning, it was a ri- it was a piece of paper, right. and I had either have to pay something or prove some shit, yeah. you know. But he got a warning where it was verbal, and he was like, "You seem like a good kid, Grant," and he was Grant, <laughs> yeah, Grant. Grant, Grant Parsons. Uh, shout out to Grant. Uh, you got away with it, <laughs> but uh, but it's the same thing where like uh, you know, I, there's a there's an old joke that if you if you're gonna stop minorities for drugs, you may find some drugs. If you're going to stop white people for drugs, you're going to get better drugs. Right. You're going to get the more expensive, the nicer stuff. <laughs> and that was always the case. It was always like, they were always just like, so glad you gave us a warning, dude. I'm like, I don't know what a warning is. I've never had one. <laughs> I've never seen that. It was the first time I'd ever seen that, and it was from the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wow. definitely, that definitely exists with, with police, for sure. Right. Wow. Well, you know, there's that statistic that there's more uh, people of color in prison for drugs, but white people do more drugs than people of color. Yes, and and there's marijuana on a lot of ballots this election, mm-hmm. and and I, I mean I find it fascinating. You know we're 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 going to legalize this drug, but mm-hmm. our prisons are full of people. Yeah, for this drug. For well, you this- know, marijuana is illegal. It is. It was a racially based reason that they made yeah, it. They, yeah, they invented it because yeah. they're trying to get rid of Mexicans in California. Well, and also, well, also they all those they would write all these articles about. Black men black who were high on marijuana yeah. committing crimes. Yeah, yeah. which like, is crazy. Like back in the twenties or whatever. And that's the craziest thing yeah. that that happens even now with with police shootings and stuff. Where they're like, he was on marijuana. Where it's like nobody's <laughs> no. ever nobody's ever right. smoked marijuana and then like, I should shoot a cop. Like this right. Right. Yeah. 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 they're not related. They're not the related. Right. The only yeah. thing that you're gonna even contemplate is maybe shoplifting some junk food. food. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Like that's yeah, as that's far as it's gonna get. Taco Bell is like the worst crime you can do on marijuana. And they keep trying to be like, but there was a bag of indica base. It was like he was sleepy. Like, come right. on, like relax. Like, the dude was tired. There's no way he was like assertive at all. It's crazy that they try to turn marijuana into this aggressive drug. Yeah, it's all 
evil propaganda. I think it's interesting that you guys have, you know, racial profiling stuff and that male drivers, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a gender, a little bit yeah. of a gender thing I'm that sure. men mm-hmm. get it worse. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, Maybe. women get it I, I think they get it. I think men get it worse because most police officers are men. And I think they give women a break because I, I hear stories from yeah. women all the time oh, about yeah. cops hitting on them. Yeah. Oh, I, I got out of a ticket once where flirt, a cop know? said, "Well, wow, that's some really cool nail polish," and um, <laughs> and it was it was a um, an Urban Decay color, and it oh. was called Whore. That was the name of the color, and I was like, "Thanks, it's called Whore." No. And I knew exactly what I was doing. Right. I was like, "It's called Whore." Uh, oh, but I will, like push my I will say on the flip <laughs> side of that I don't think it's a positive towards women because I think it's, no. it's oh, assuming no. men are no. capable of crime and women are taught if a police a cop starts to pull you over make sure you park in a a well-lit area because there are men who have fake cop cars right yeah, yeah. Yes. Over to and now there's them. real cops real cops and real cops who do it too. not most men not many but yeah but some stores. they're yeah. in the mix yeah. shout out to those cops <laughs> I did have one thing that happened to me some of you where I was in the car with a white driver I was riding on a TV show and a PA was driving me somewhere because I got it like that mm-hmm. sure, sure. <laughs> only white drivers for me yeah. um, it's white he, white 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 driver. Point. And he did an illegal U-turn. He got pulled over. And the cop, and, but what the surprising part for me was when the cop came up, this white driver uh, started arguing with the cop, saying, "Give me, give just give me a warning. Can you just give me a warning? You can." And I'm sitting there going, "Like, what the fuck is wrong with yeah. you? You better shut up." And then I was like, yeah. "This is a thing. You can yeah. like negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. for a, a warning. They cops give warnings. Like, I saw that. Shit. I was like." Fascinated that, and he was just like he wasn't like being respectful. He was just like, come on, you know you can, you can give me a war. I was just like, you're gonna get murdered. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get shot. He was like, but I, no. He's like, no, I'm white. Did he no. get a ticket? Did he get? Yeah, he, got, he got the ticket. He got yeah. the ticket. But he didn't, he didn't get ticket. murdered. But I was is, shocked that he thought he could argue could, with the cop. I negotiated. Yeah, I've I negotiated that. down a ticket. You done I, that? I was speeding. Scared yeah, I was down. going to visit She's my parents, and I. I am part Scottish, and you are related to. Jesus. <laughs> and I am part Jesusian. So I was, yeah, on this little lone road going to Monterey, California, like across central California, this one little highway, and shortcut speeding, speeding. And I got pulled over. I was like, shit. I mean, I was really speeding. And I said, I'm going to visit my parents, you know, which I was. It was totally true. Yeah, and he's like, okay, I'm not going to. I, he still gave me a ticket, mm-hmm. but he didn't clock it. It would have been reckless driving uh-huh. how fast I was yeah. going. Knocked so he knocked down. it down like by 30 miles per hour. Damn. Oh. Thank you. By just 30? Went, I was like almost 90, I think. There, and <laughs> it was lot. like, you know, 50 or something. Right. Yeah, damn. Ooh. That but is reckless driving. 40 it was, over? Yeah. It was reckless driving. And yeah. But I made really good time. <laughs> and, or was it smart driving? I remember the Growlings once, though. There was a guy who was in class with me, and he, he was telling us how his dad was a police officer. And he said the thing he learned from his dad was if you're in the car and you're a guy driving, you have a woman in the car, and you get pulled over, tell the cop you were arguing with your girlfriend or your wife. Oh. And they'll give you a break sometimes. That oh, goes back to the sexism. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, which is so. And I was like, related. really? Yeah. If you're a guy dealing with crazy bitches, right, of course yeah. you'd speed. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. All right. All right, buddy. You know, but slow yeah. it down. I, I have a friend that does the. Uh, he says uh, whenever I get pulled over, I pretend like I'm lost. 
And I'm like, look, I'm so sorry. I didn't see the stop sign. I was just looking for where I, I do you know how to get to? And then they like, ask the cop for directions. <laughs> like, I'm not from here. I don't know this neighborhood. And sometimes the cops like, all right, fine. Just go, right. you know, just go here and get out of here. Yeah. And sometimes that works, but yeah. yeah, I remember being lost in San Pedro at night one night. I was working as a PA. Jordan, does um, this story have to do with race? It because does. Because we do have to move right. on. Yeah. And yeah. it was Vampire in Brooklyn. I was working as a PA on Vampire in Brooklyn in the middle of the night. And I didn't, couldn't figure out how to get home. This is long before Waze or any of that. Mm. And I'm driving and a cop starts following me. And I'm like, oh, I'm, and I'm lost. I'm like, I'm lost and I got a cop following me. So I can't bust a ton of U-turns trying to figure out where the freeway is. So I just pulled over. And I waited, and then the cop got out, and he was like, "What's going on?" I said, "I'm lost." Like, "Where's the freeway?" He's like, "Oh, is that okay?" And I was like, "Then I left and went home." Wow. But he was just following me around, you know, San Pedro. That guy seems lost. That was yeah. no good. No, he wasn't following me because he thought I was lost. Yeah, he was following me because it was late <laughs> at night, and I'm only on the road. Stalking you. Yeah. He was trumping you. But I said, "I'm going to use this to my advantage." <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes racism's good. So yeah. don't complain, you guys. Yeah, stop it. That's the message of this podcast. Okay, so uh, it's so funny because, well, no, it's not funny. Um, <laughs> racism is, racism racism is, is not hilarious. funny. Um, I, have, I have been pulled over many times mm-hmm. and um, with marijuana smoke pouring out of the windows <laughs> of the car <laughs> and gotten off of the verbal warning. Mm-hmm. They'll take the drugs. Mm-hmm. They'll take the drugs. Mm-hmm. But they'll smoke they'll, them. And smoke yeah. them, but they'll let me go and let me drive away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's a white thing, a white thing, or yeah. if it's a lady thing, mm-hmm. or a combination of those mm-hmm. things. Or a white lady a thing. A white lady <laughs> thing. Um, I don't know. I, I So I was raised, I mean, I grew up very poor. I was, I was very, I was poor white trash, really. And I, but I was also raised uh, as, a, as a hippie kid. And surprisingly in in a very liberal environment it was very white Mm -hmm. there it was a maybe there would occasionally be a native american person in the in the mix like maybe or we would we would all over the place so we lived in a bus we drove around a lot and we (laughs) (laughs) a very liberal bus very liberal bus we had you know and i spent a long time with like without running water and electricity and outhouses like i lived you know part of my life very poor and and my parents very liberal and very open. There was no, you know, but somehow like what I, I didn't know that I was living in a racist, like I have a lot of shame around this as a kid. Like we were surrounded, often surrounded by migrant workers. And so we would live like we'd be living in a teepee in the middle of, you know, like agricultural land. Mm. And it was like, well, those are the, I just thought they were, those were the, the, the earth people. Like they just, those are the, Ooh. yeah. Oh, I, I mean, and I didn't really say anything out loud. So I didn't, I didn't get corrected by my earth parents. People. Yeah. I was just like, so those are the people that take care of the trees and like, right. You know, and it wasn't, I, I don't remember thinking that I was better or worse than they were, but that, that it was different. Mm-hmm. And that somehow my world and their world did not mix. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't belong there, and they didn't belong here. Right. Um, and then um, I spent my... We moved um, when we um, actually had four walls and a roof. We were in Ojai, mm-hmm. which uh, is a small uh, city outside of Los Angeles, about an hour and a half away, up near Santa Barbara. And it's it's very white. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and... Um, 
and and very divided. I mean, there's a there's a large Hispanic community that lives there, but they definitely live in so like there, there's Ohio, then there's Miners Oaks, and Miners Oaks is sort of like Ohio adjacent, and you just sort of like. It was poor. I ended up living there as a teenager, but when I where I lived, we lived in the East End, which now is just full of um, celebrities. Like Bill Paxton ended up buying the house that I was living in, and this story oh, wow. took place. Yeah. So at the time, it wasn't. Oh, I was pretty. Uh, what hadn't become sort of the Hollywood bedroom mecca mm-hmm. that it has now become, but um, and uh, but somehow like it was so white, and and when I I was when I moved there, I was. 11 so right around the time I was 11 or 12 and we would tell these horrible jokes and I don't even know where I we I definitely remember uh, a song about beaners eat beans we used to sing this song and I had no idea what I was saying which doesn't excuse anything but I I know that I did this and somehow I learned this okay so um and I don't remember having prior to this one this person I'm about to tell the story about I don't remember having ever spoken to or encountered a black person before this guy. So this guy, so we lived in this community in, in, in the east end of Ojai, and people would come and go from all over the world, and it was like, it was very, like, this weird, we'd have these weird workshops, and, like, sometimes Bette Midler would be there, and then sometimes, like, just some guy from, you know, Scandinavia would show up, and he, like, did, like, aura readings. And, like, it was just, like, really weird stuff, right? Um... And there was this guy, and I don't remember why he was there, but his name was Abraham, and he was black, and he was really dark-skinned black. Like, I had never seen skin like that before. And he taught me how to play backgammon. He was this really cool guy, and I got totally obsessed with backgammon, and he had a droopy eye, a really droopy guy. I don't know why. And um, so he would sit, he would sit, um, and he would prop his eye up with his finger while he played, like, while he was looking at the board. He was just fascinating. It was like this, I didn't know who, I, I was obsessed with this guy. Like, I, and um, so I, I like developed like this like oh I'm gonna go play back in with Abraham and I was and I was homeschooled like I just I didn't have much structure, um, and I said to him oh my god I heard this really funny joke do you want to hear oh, this no, joke oh, no no this will not end well and I said do you know what um, do you know what do you know what a Pontiac is. Oh. Okay. And he said, no, what is it? Or do you know what Pontiac stands for? Mm. And he said, no, what does it stand for? And I said, poor old nigger thinks it's a Cadillac. Oh, oh. Mary Jo. Oh. And he, <laughs> he put his finger on his eye. Like he pushed his uh-huh. eye up as like far up as he could go. Yeah. And, he, and he said, you are not allowed to say that word. And I didn't know which word he meant because I I didn't know like how do I what were you? I was twelve. Okay. You're like Cadillac. And I had heard right. <laughs> I had no idea. Like I didn't know that I had done anything wrong. It was a. I had heard it in the streets. Like well, oh, everybody's laughing. This must be funny. And I'm going to tell my friend Abraham this joke. Wow. And um. And he was a big guy and had this amazing presence and I and I really loved like I would just had spent like the last 3 or 4 months getting to know this guy and learning backgammon and we would have these great games and I I and that 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 I clearly had upset him like I knew immediately mm-hmm. he was upset I didn't know why I didn't know what I had done um and so it became this whole discussion about this word and this word and, and and so now every time I go to say 
if, if I'm going to bring up that word in conversation, the N word, I can feel that same feeling mm-hmm. in the pit of my stomach mm-hmm. when I disappointed my friend. Right. And I didn't mean to disappoint my friend, but I disappointed my friend. And, um, and by the way, I mean, he was like probably in his 40s. Mm-hmm. Like he was, it wasn't like he was a young guy or anything. Like he was, he was very nice about it. <laughs> um, he didn't hit me or anything. Like it could have gone really badly. Um, and he just gave me a, a, a sort of a conversation about that word. And um, I just, it, it, it spun my head around. Like it never, prior to that, it never occurred to me that, I mean, I was a fat kid, so I, I would get teased about being fat. And like, I understood that words could hurt, but I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there were these words that were directly tied to a person's skin color. I didn't know that people use those to hurt people. Mm-hmm. And I, and in this, and then in these conversations with this guy, he was so amazing. I started to really realize like those earth people, mm-hmm. like those are Hispanic like maybe they're Mexican, maybe they're Guatemalan. Like, oh, mm-hmm. and there's a difference, by the way. Like right. they're not just Mexicans. Like yeah. they right. could be from a lot of different places. But that I was so, I, I felt so ashamed. Mm-hmm. I was so ashamed. And um, I was so embarrassed. I just remember crying and apologizing. And, and But then also at the time, like not completely understanding what I was apologizing mm-hmm. for, except mm-hmm. that I had really upset my friend. And then, um, and then being afraid when I was again around those kids where I'd heard that joke, like, am I supposed to, like you, like, am I supposed to sort of say, that's wrong, you can't mm-hmm. tell that joke anymore, and mm-hmm. and uh, feeling really not powerful around that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is like, I what I find is, I'm nervous to this day. I get nervous about what's okay. Like, mm-hmm. am I supposed to say African American, mm-hmm. or is it okay that I say black? Like, mm-hmm. if if I'm describing somebody, what is it okay for me as a white per as a white person <laughs> to say? Like, mm-hmm. you know, are you if I'm describing you, Jordan, to somebody, are you black, or mm-hmm. is that not okay for me to say? Like, am I supposed to say he's African American, but? Or is that like ridiculous because your ancestry is not African? Right. Or no, I mean for me, I don't get caught up in that. To me, it's always about the intention behind it. Right. I mean, you know, names do matter, labels do matter, but I do think that in the African American community, <laughs> that we there's a bit of a um, schizophrenia about what we're what our label is. Yeah. Like we gotta relax, guys. I go. I say just black seems to be cool. Let's just say black. Right. Yeah, I mean, because if they're white, they're not going around saying I'm Scottish or what, other than Roxy. Um, you know, they're not walking around saying I'm Scottish or I'm British or what, you know. Right, yeah. They're just saying I'm white. So my thing is black seems for me personally, and it is totally personal. For me, if you say black, fine. If you say African-American, fine. I don't care. Right. Because you can say black to me and it's not, and it's a slur. Right. You can say African American and it's a slur. Right. right. Like, you know, when certain people say, like, uh, the African Americans makes it sound like right. a slur. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's Donald Trump. Yeah. He always says, he says, the, the women, yeah. the, the African Americans, the Mexicans. Or, like yeah. you said at that one rally, there's my African American right, right uh-huh, there. Yeah. My, my African American. Yeah. But it's always like, whenever anything other than a white male, he puts a the in front of it because it's, it makes it something other. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but my point being, even with the N word, 
It's like when the people say, oh, that word should be banned. I'm like, first of all, that's stupid. You can't ban a word. Second, it's about how you use yes. it. Yes. It's not right. the fact that it was said at all. But that sometimes word, when it works. That <laughs> word, it's one of the only words that almost everybody I encounter. Like, I work in, you know, we work comedy, in comedy, yeah. right? The, almost, almost nothing is off limits. Mm. Almost nothing is off limits. Mm. You can make AIDS jokes. Mm. I mean, you can make almost anything. Is no, Almost nothing is off limits. But that word mm. is so... Makes Loaded. me so anxious. Mm-hmm. My intention is, I have n- no, no, not a, this is such a racist thing to say. I am not racist. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I know what my intention is if I say black or if I say Hispanic or Latina or Mexican or, mm-hmm. you know, Guatemalan or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That word just strikes fear in the heart of all. Like, it's yeah. just crazy how powerful that word is. And it is just a word. But it's not but it just is, a word. It is born out of hate. Mexican mm-hmm. is an actual country and a nationality that has gotten a negative connotation in our country. But it's actually a real thing. Right. The N-word is it, 100%... It was it's created a slur. It's a to, racial... Yeah, it's it was created, created out of hate. Put people it, it's down. a slur. Right. It's like right. a swastika. Right. Yeah, right. there's no, like... The history of what that word has done right. and how it has mm-hmm. been used. Yeah. Right. I think that's, for me, like, mm-hmm. why it it is off limits in my in my opinion yeah but as an artist i feel like you know i don't uh believe in censorship so mm-hmm. right it's like how it's how you like bob dylan used the word in his song hurricane about hurricane carter who was you know yeah i was talking uh, about something and, I was like, and you hear jim go like how dare you go like no it's, it's yeah. context right yeah. there's context. a context he's making a point and right it's in there you know it's like so he can say it when he's singing that song he can't right. say it if he's calling me over right well and, and <laughs> you know i'm curious about the Bob Dylan call you over? No, no, no. Like I'm curious, you know, like you, you're, you're a road comic, so you perform in a lot of different places, and I'm, Uh I'm just wondering if you encounter different things in different places where you go, and are you treated differently in Minnesota than you are in Chicago than you are in Los Angeles? I mean, honestly, uh, surprisingly, I I haven't. I've always been afraid of that. I've always been like, I'm performing in like. You know, Whitefish, Montana, and been like, this is this is gonna be the one. <laughs> oh, that's right. Whitefish. <laughs> yeah, it's called Whitefish. They're gonna turn on me, and be like, get that brown off the. You know, uh, you know, I'm all I'm always afraid, but because it's power of comedy, yeah. you can yeah. you can turn people, and people are like, well, he's a good one, you know. And, and <laughs> I, I've yeah. definitely I've definitely been in like uh, you know mm-hmm. places like Chattanooga, Tennessee, or like. You know, places where they're like, oh, he's Mexican. And I'm like, sure. You know, like, yeah. fine. Why, I'm not going to sit here and explain, no, I'm Hindu. I'm from India. You know, I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> so, like, sometimes they get mixed up. But usually they're just like, oh, he's a good one. Did you hear the joke about the, the you know? And so. Right. You, he's got a sense of humor. Right. So you're usually in the clear. And I'm always afraid of that. I'm all, Every time I go to Montana or go to Kansas or go to wherever I'm always like okay this crowd's not going to connect they're not going to connect with this joke or this mm-hmm. thing and I've been very fortunate to where I have connected usually I mean there's some level of self-deprecation there's some level of playing the joke on myself to where it kind of eases the tension right but I mean I've been fortunate to where like yeah they're definitely terrible people but they like me, so uh, so I'm all right. I'm in the clear. You it, made the progress. It's interesting because yeah. you know, in, in in thinking about tonight, you know, this chapter of like, okay, so as a white woman, um, <laughs> how have, have I been affected by racism? And and just really realizing, I mean, on the heels of that story, like how I've been affected by racism is that I am 
constantly in fear of offending someone. Mm-hmm. That I find myself often like, and you know, especially like you know, because I work in marketing, right? And I market to a broad U.S. audience. I work in television marketing, so like, is this offensive? Mm-hmm. Have I crossed a line? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a line? Mm-hmm. Should there be a line? Where is the line? Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to cross the line as a comedy person, but mm-hmm. not as a white person? And mm-hmm. but I but that there is always that fear of like, um, and you never know how it's going to go on stage. Like mm-hmm. yeah. in an improv, you know, I might choose to suddenly speak in, uh, you know, like an Asian accent of some mm-hmm. kind. Like I'm, you know, I've got some kind of Chinese thing going on or something, <laughs> and the audience is like not right. with They're it not having at it, right. all. They are yeah. not having it. Mm-hmm. And then another time. It'll be fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, you have to know your room. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, Neil can attest to that as a stand-up. Like, you mm-hmm. never know who's mm-hmm. in the audience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you too. I mean, I, I mean, with the black version, like... Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Jordan has a show called The Black Version? With I was going to plug it at the end. But yeah. Okay, but I'm just, to explain it so you know what we're talking it's about. A, we have an all-African-American cast of improvisers, and we get the title of a real movie like Titanic or Star Wars from the audience. They suggest it. And then we improvise the black version of that movie. <laughs> so it's interesting, though. You said you have an all-African-American cast. Mm-hmm. But, but they sh- improvise the, the black, black version. version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, the show's called the black. I just say that just because it's... It's so confusing. Yeah. I'm so confused. <laughs> Jordan, what no, it is, but it's a thing. It's it's thing. 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 It is too funny, but it's billions of black people in the world. Well, yeah. the black version is called... Specifically, that title came from my last name, Jordan Black. Right. But and then the would, idea for the show came after, believe it or not. If your last name was not black, you would yeah, not Yeah, I don't know that I would have thought of that idea for that... Improv show. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that for me is but the way know, that I'm mostly affected by racism is that I'm in constant fear that I'm going to offend somebody because I'm an idiot. But the thing I've <laughs> learned recently, I was sharing this recently with some people that if it's funny, you don't offend anybody. Right. That's, if it, and, that like, is the truth. Yeah. That like is when so Michael Richards, funny. When Michael Richards got in trouble for saying the N-word at, you know, the Laugh Factory, I was like, it wasn't remotely funny. No, that was just a weird... He wasn't funny. He was just ranting. And it wasn't right. even a, an attempt at humor, so right. you couldn't even justify right. and be like, well, he was trying to make a joke. He wasn't. Yeah, he but like, he just dropped it. Yeah. But if you look at Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder doing blackface, right. and he... Kill, he crushes. Yeah. Like black people are like, yeah, he can come to my barbecue. Yeah. He can come to my family. We can hang. I we can, because he was good. Right. So I, it's like, hey, you know, talent usurps racism. Exactly. I have black friends who are like, I just thought he was a black dude. Like, right. I didn't even it was know. hilarious. He was it, great. He it, was, yeah. it was great. You know, Louis C.K. can drop mm-hmm. the N-word. And, well, and I think there are... I, I have beef with Louis. Mm-hmm. Do you have he, beef with that? I have a big beef with that. I think he and, uh, uh, what's his name, Quentin Tarantino overdropped. Like they need to. Well, talk I have beef with Quentin too. Here's my beef with Louis. Sure. I'll, I'll to me, when Louis does the joke, and he when he does a joke, or when he says it even casually, because I've heard him like in interviews just say it casually of making a point about something. About and, and, the word, or no, just like. Yeah, about the yeah, word. Uh-huh. About the word. Yeah. Um, but not in a but not in a way of saying like you know we shouldn't use this word or we should be careful. Right, 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 right. It's, just, it's more the other side. Like words are just words. Right. And I'm not going to be told what I can can't right. can I say, which I totally 100 percent agree with. Right. 
But I feel like Louis is trying to show how brave he is to use the word. And uh-huh. I'm like, it's not brave to be a white man standing on stage in front of an all-white audience and say it. Uh-huh. I'm like, take that shit to the Apollo. See if you get any laughs. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Because you got to be one charming motherfucker. Well, so, right. get away away. so let me yeah. ask you something. It better be an incredible joke for you. Right. And, and, and I, there are comedians, and he could be one that could actually do it. So when but I, you haven't done it yet. When I told fair, my, my story just now, and mm-hmm. I told the joke, and I said the mm-hmm. N-word out loud, how does that... Hey, but it was context. Yeah. No, yeah, it was context. I, yeah. You were yeah, the I didn't kid. You through it quickly. You said it. <laughs> I could. I, I gotta tell you, like, oh, I, I, and I was so afraid to say yeah, it. I yeah, I get off of it. But yeah. it would have been. I feel like if you hadn't said it, you just said, you know, in word blah, blah. I was like, oh, well, right. I mean, you might as well just say it because that's gonna be more impactful. To well, the and story. that's what I did. And, you right. know, I said it as a kid, and I and I said it with glee. Like I can only imagine how that landed for him. Like this little kid who just probably knew you didn't know what you were saying. He did, but but still. Like, I mean, I just, I don't know. Did that you ever play backgammon with them again? I did, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, it was yeah, fine. Yeah. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, actually, when moments like that happen where somebody slips up like that, um, I always, I actually, and, yeah, if they slip up, like, I mean, an honest mistake. She didn't mistake. know what she was saying. I actually am glad about that because it's an opportunity to learn. I had a friend say to me once, nigger rig, by accident. He was just chit-chatting and he was trying to fix it. I'm like, well, you know, I just sort of nigger rig. He's like, Oh. He said, "Not till now did I ever even think about what that actually meant." Oh. He said, "Growing up, you everybody right, would just say right." It. And like, I, now here, now mind you, I had never even heard the term. I didn't know that was a thing. I've heard Jerry rig. I've heard yeah. Jerry. I was like, oh, that's what they say in front of me. Uh, I'm gonna Jerry rig. <laughs> and so, but he was, and I didn't take offense because I could see that he was like, I never thought because I remember growing up. In Illinois and in Chicago, there was a little shopping area where you go shop and you can ne- negotiate down prices. Right. You know, you could haggle. Oh, no. And everybody called it, oh, at least the black people I grew up around, called it Jewtown. And they would say, you Jew down the prices. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was in reference to Jewish people. I thought, in my mind, it was J-O-O. And I just thought Jew oh, meant, yeah. bring, you know, <laughs> haggle for prices. Right. I didn't know until I got to L.A., because that's when I really met Jewish people. Yeah. That, oh, Jewish people are, that's a stereotype of Jewish. I was like, oh, that's what, and then, mind you, in this neighborhood, no Jewish people were working in these shops. Anymore. Sure, sure. It had been a Jewish shopping area probably decades earlier. Right. But it was still called Jewtown. Right. And I was like, and I was like, oh, that's so awful. But I had no clue. That's you know. like me and the, uh, you know, you gypped me. Yeah. I didn't know it was against gypsy. Right. Uh-huh. Until I took a class on the Roma people at Ooh. Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I've been saying that. Right. Saying yeah. hate crime. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay, now it's Colleen. It's you. I think it's your it. turn. Right. <laughs> okay, so if you've been listening to this podcast, uh, you know that I grew up in Hawaii. I yes. moved there when I was five. Um, I looked up the population of Hawaii, so I want to have this accurately. This is the current population, but I, I think it's pretty accurate. I moved away 19 years ago, but um, white people make up 24%. Black people make up 1%. Mm-hmm. Uh, Native American, 0.3%. Asian, 41.6%. Native Hawaiian, 9%, which is sort of upsetting because mm-hmm. it's Hawaii and means there's only 9% left of native Hawaiians. Some other race in this thing is 1.3 and two or more races 21.4. So, okay. So growing up in, in Hawaii and, and this is another thing about looking at this chart it says white mm-hmm. and then it says black and then it says Asian and then Asian it subdivides. Mm-hmm. subdivides. So growing up in Hawaii um, is a weird thing I think if 
it's it's a unique experience as a white person in America because it's one of the few positions where you get to be a minority. Mm-hmm. And um, except today in LA, you're now a minority. Yes, but you, I, I don't think you 100 percent feel it the way you would somewhere else because mm-hmm. there's more of an established thing. And I definitely situations I know Ian can think uh, concur with this where you got pulled over and you felt like you got pulled over by local cops because you were white mm-hmm. or. You know, local kids showed up and beat the shit out of white kids because they were at a beach yeah, because yeah. you were white. Yeah, told this story on the first time I yeah. trouble with the law. So okay. there was there was definitely a sense of you were... Driving around in Hawaii? Yeah, but we didn't, we didn't get... I didn't get beat up, but I, I ran away from people beating up people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he avoided being beaten up. So the weird thing about it is you're growing up in America as a white person and you're sort of a minority. You... Most of the white people I knew, I knew some poor white people, but most of the white people I knew had money. So you're not the majority. You're not the minority. You're still 21% of the population, but um, you have money and you have power and you have influence and that kind of thing. So growing up, for most of the you young years, you just, you're like a little kid. You don't think about racism. You don't think about it. It doesn't happen. And it didn't really, I think, click in until about fourth grade when we started to learn about uh, Native Americans and white people are the horror show villains of this. Like they're just evil people. <laughs> you learn about uh, World War II and white people are the horror show villains of this and they're evil people. You learn about slavery and white people are the horror show villains. And you you read a book, my favorite book, which is Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. You, if you nothing else from this podcast, read that book. It's amazing. Good book. It's so good. Right. But the girl is your age. If especially if you're a girl, she's a girl your age, but she's black, and it's post the Civil War, and you're like, oh my god, and you you delve into the white fantasies, like if I went back in time, I'd be this, like you have this thing, you wouldn't be a villain, and you learn about um, just kind of every horror show of American history that you would learn about, and in all of these, white people are the villain, and it, oh, you also learn about Hawaiian history, and Native Hawaiians are kicked out of their land like my parents were military so it's like oh all the military beaches and bases are prime like beautiful hawaiian lands that were taken over and they were displaced from it and you just have this thing where like you have a moment where your teacher who's korean uh tells the story and the classroom of kids of various mixed races kind of turn and look at you and <laughs> like you're a villain. Like you're just a horror show. And you and you also have this thing where you go, huh, I'm predominantly Irish and they were like treated like shit. And then you get this response of like, I don't know what Irish is. You're just white. And that is a thing, which I was going to say about the the census thing. It says white and it says black. And this is Asian and then it subdivides Asian. And growing up in Hawaii, you're white, you're black, you're Latino, and then if you're Asian, you know what you are. Right. Like, it's divided. Like, mm-hmm. you know someone's last name. If you think someone's Chinese and they're oh. Korean or they're Japanese, you're an asshole and you're a racist and you're a dick. And the truth is, it doesn't take long to figure out a Japanese last name from a Chinese last name to, mm-hmm. to a Filipino last name. Right. There are all these things. And you also get kind of <laughs> the amazing thing, like you were talking about, like the Latino community, you also get exposed to racism that doesn't involve white people oh, it's yeah. kind of amazing like you mm-hmm. find uh japanese kids whose mothers are or grandmothers or japanese speak uh, japanese from japan but they hate 
Japanese tourists. They hate them. <laughs> Just like anybody who lives anywhere, hate, like the townies hate the tourists or whatever. Um, and you also have like weird shit about Okinawans because they have kinkier hair and they're darker skin. So you get this whole mm-hmm. thing of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like hierarchy. lighter skin mm-hmm. hierarchy in that, and mm-hmm. I when I moved to LA, I I noticed that I'd never experienced Latino mm-hmm. uh, racism, and then oh, somebody yeah. was like oh, a mad whole... at Salvadoranians, oh, and I was right. like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm from a world where if you're a Latino, you're Latino. I don't know that I we still called them Hispanics at the time. So the idea that there's some weird mm-hmm. racism inside of that was so. Are we al- not supposed to say Hispanic? I don't know that Hispanic is correct. I think it's Latino. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. My shame continues. My shame continues. But it was weird because you you live in a place where you're aware of these racisms and, you know, the the whole, like, the Polak and the Jew and the Aitai and the Catholic walk into a bar. Italians. Oh, okay. But then in Hawaii, it would be the Filipino, the Samoan, the Japanese, the Chinese. And they had, it was a. The Portuguese. The Portuguese, which is like an offensive term. You should not call Portuguese people Portuguese, but people said Portuguese like it was just normal. Portuguese sausage. Like normal. I didn't know that. So so this was a thing. Like you you get exposed to a whole other world of Mm -hmm. racism and subdivisions and whatever. And I got called Howley all the time. And Howley means like stranger or foreigner mm-hmm. but it was howdy, go home yes go home, howdy, go home. We ian, don't want you here. ian would reenact that <laughs> that's great but you would get that and it was only aimed at white kids and and it was hard it was hard to deal with and i um and i had moments of that like you know you have a whole class turn and look at you and go like you're a demon because you're responsible <laughs> for uh the holocaust and slavery <laughs> and the native americans and and you're like and and you go, but I'm Irish and people don't care. Or you do something like, I have brown eyes. And they go, white people don't have brown eyes. And you're like, yeah, they do. And it's like, what's the point of being white? And one of the good things about being white is having different colored eyes. <laughs> and you're like, I don't I don't know what to tell you. And you get made fun That's of hilarious. because you're so tall and pale. And when you get a sunburn, it's hilarious. And they slap you on the back because you're so pale and you feel picked on. And... <laughs> And you're taller than your teachers because you're whatever race you are. And um, so that stuff builds up and it's hard. And I think different people had it harder. I think Ian, who's here, dealt with more physical threats. Mm -hmm. You know, and I had this friend, uh, Destiny, who was a lovely nerd like me. She was better at sports, whatever. She was mixed race, but... She would call me in my high school yearbook. She signed it uh, something Jolly Red Howley. Like mm. Howley is not a positive term. Right. I don't think she meant it as a negative term, but she just that was something I was called, and mm. it was not. It's just a thing. Someone mm. said this to me, like, "Oh, it's funny that you're tall and awkward and pale and a mess, and it's <laughs> funny that you're not attractive to what most people like, which is <laughs> petite and Asian." Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so this my experience with racism. As a person, like I was with kids, we got pulled over by local cops, and they were shittier to us. And there was a kid in the car that was Hawaiian, and so he talked to the cops, and we got away with it. So, to me, the idea of when you hear about minorities being pulled over, I'm like, yeah, I totally know that's the truth because I lived in a place where the cops would pull over. They wouldn't. Can I? Were most of the cops Native Hawaiians? Most of the cops were Asian. Here's okay. the thing about Hawaii. Hawaii, like most people, when they even play Hawaiian, are Asian actors right. Right. because right. 
the just like Native Americans, Hawaiians are a really small population of right. who lives in Hawaii. And you have a big spread of mixed race population mm. that are like twenty five percent Hawaiian. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not it's it's not a so the, the largest percentage is Asian, and so mm. I think a lot of people associate Asian with Hawaiian. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was definitely a sense of like local mm-hmm. versus outsider. Even right. if you're like I moved here when I was five, living here forever, it's like you're an outsider mm-hmm. and. If there's somebody who seemed like they were more local, you were treated well. You were not shot or murdered or mm. arrested. You are just given kind of shitty treatment. Mm-hmm. So it's not the same, but it was a feeling of... It feels the same. Yeah, yeah it feels you weird. Feel like an outsider. Yeah. yeah, you feel like an outsider and you feel profiled. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing I was going to say is my, my real thing about this story is the first time I realized I was racist, which is, of course, I, I mean... Born in 1979, I was raised in the 80s and 90s. I was born in like the, raised in the whole political correct thing. I've never said the word Indian ever to refer to a Native American. Like mm-hmm. I say Native American, I don't have to correct in my brain. It's mm-hmm. it's Native American. Like that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never said the N word, ever. My parents, no. You never said the N word? No, my parents never said Not it. Like you during a Jay Z song? song? Yeah. yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, I hate it. It, it, it I hate it. Hate it. Dr. Trey. Sometimes if I watch something where that word is used a ton, I get like a sad, sinking, upset feeling because I 100% like my favorite book of all time is about a girl who was my age at the time dealing with race. Like it's, it really upsets me. And so I thought of myself as this very incredibly liberal, progressive, open human. And I moved to LA when I was 18. And a couple years in, my friend Lisa, who grew up in Hawaii too, came out to visit me. And we got into a discussion about race. And I was saying that thing of like, yeah, I, I know what it's like. Blah, blah, blah. And she was kind of like, no, you don't. Like, it's not. And <laughs> and she was kind of giving me grief. And she and is. She's white. Okay. And, and she said, and she loves Hawaii. And I had sort of resentments and, and problems with it. And she got frustrated with me. And she was like, I don't really want to talk about this anymore because I'm going to get really mad. And I said, no, please, please, I will listen to you. Please tell me what you're trying to tell me. And she didn't use the word white white privilege, but that or the words white privilege, but that's what she was basically explaining to me. Mm-hmm. And and I realized when she was explaining it to me that I had never taken into the fact that like the kids at my high school who picked on other kids, they were bullies. They they were this my friends who were of all different races who wore thrift store clothes and were like dyed their hair red and green and weird colors. There would be these local kids, these Hawaiian kids of how whatever percentage Hawaiian, but like Hawaiian kids who were bussed in from a poorer neighborhood, who were the bullies of the school. They would throw milk cartons at them, and you'd see. I'd see my friend Lori like show up covered in milk, and kids who had like cuts on their faces because the milk cartons are like hard, and they Jordan's laughing. <laughs> so this kid's covered in milk sounds. I mean, it just sounds so lame. No, but like it was hard. Like the I know it hurts. It was those square things, so they'd be like beamed with it, and they'd have cuts on their faces. They covered in milk, and they're being like they're being like treated like crap. And and I was like, I just thought they were mean, and it never occurred to me that like, oh, these kids, they're they're living in places that where I live now is where their ancestors were shoved out of because of military interference or because of con captain cook's con whatever but i'm actually dealing with kids that it doesn't make what they do better but i'm not empathizing at all with what mm. they're stuck with um and also another thing was like i'm i'm so proud of myself right that i've never said the n-word i've never said a bunch of slurs 
But I said the word moke hmm. a bunch. I don't know What's that? that? I don't know. So here's the thing. Uh, if you're not from Hawaii, moke, you won't even know. And the, me saying this to a lot of pers- people is a horrible thing. Like, I would... The weird thing is, like, I've met people from the South who use the N-word, and they're like, oh, they're kind of used to using it. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a big deal to them. And that word is horrible to some people. It's a horrible hate crime. It's it, it's shitty. But I remember walking through high school hallways, and there were signs that said no smoking, and people would blot out S, and it would say no moking. Because it was mm-hmm. about, like, basically, like, large, like, strong um, Samoan, Hawaiian, Samoan. Tongan... Mm-hmm people mm-hmm. it's okay. a yeah. racial slur right. mm. but to me because i was like the victim of that uh bullying i didn't mm. get that like oh wait no, no i live in a place where these people have been their ancestors mm-hmm. have been shit on and they have very little opportunities and they've been treated terribly that i i think i'm justified in saying the slur mm-hmm. and so when she was explaining it to me, I started to get it. She said the thing of like, just it's not about you. And the idea of like when you take yourself out of something and you look at it and you don't make yourself the center of the story, which I think a lot of people have to do when they look at any article that tries to explain white privilege or anything. If you go, if you don't go from a defensive and you're not the main character and you just go like, oh, every human being in life exists, mm-hmm. then I have to look at their life and I have to understand um, – that opened up that door to me and it made me realize that I thought I was this very empathetic liberal person, but I had really gotten into my own hardship and my own crap. And I hadn't opened myself up to the idea that other people were dealing with other things and that I was doing things that because they were in a slavery movie, but were still, I was saying racial slurs was still being a dick. And then one of the biggest things that brought it home for me was I remember very distinctly being made fun of for being tall and pale and redheaded and freckled. Just, it, it happened a ton. It happened before, probably if I'd never moved to Hawaii. Being, <laughs> being taller than everyone. Like, you know, I'm 6'1 now, which means like I'm just taller than every human. Um, yeah, you're two Neils. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, being pale and freckled, like tan has been in for a while and redhead has always been a weird thing. Tall, so, dark, and handsome. Yeah, I could have grown up in like just the, got the tall. Yeah, in the Midwest, and I, sh- I guarantee you, I still would have been made fun of for this this many things. I may not have been called Howie or a devil for right. whatever, but um, I realized that there was one point where someone had said something really bad to me, and I felt really shitty because all I ever wanted to be was a petite, tiny, je- Chinese Japanese girl because I just was like, oh, that's that's what beauty is. Um, but I remember someone saying something horrible to me, and then someone having like a Teen Beat magazine out. And Julia Roberts was there, and she was redheaded and pale and had some freckles and brown eyes, which I was tall, too. Yeah, and tall. And, you know, and someone had said, you know, you can't be white and have brown eyes. And I thought, she's considered beautiful by the world, Mm -hmm. the world that's true and correct, that we all Mm -hmm. should stop believing in that Mm -hmm. brainwashing, but we all believe in. And I thought, that gave me comfort. It made me think... It didn't fix everything, but it gave me comfort. And I think about that that's something I, it never occurred to me until somebody explained white privilege to me that there are all these people out there who are being shit on the same or uh, worse or better than I am. But when they look to the greater world that we exist in, especially, you know, the U.S., 
their beliefs are reinforced by negatives and stereotypes and all the horrible negativity that was aimed at me, whether innocence or childhood or whatever, whatever the intent was behind it, I still had the our world on my side Mm -hmm. and um everyone else doesn't and it doesn't make that the people who are mean to me kinder better people but it it makes it makes me feel sorry for myself less and go Mm -hmm. like don't like lisa said don't make it about you it's not about you and when Mm -hmm. you make it not about you you go oh like Mm -hmm. there's this whole big wide world out there and it's hard though the world that we're living in right now like it is i mean how do you you know, like what's happening in this election, and you know, I'm I'm I, I'm really struck with how fucking naive I am because I, I mean, not that in in any way did I think that we had eradicated racism as as you know a human mm-hmm. race, but I thought it was like at this point there's a sort of like a small faction mm-hmm. of of people who like live in Montana and mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> right, but. This this election, I'm I'm heartbroken and sickened by what's happening and what's being said and what somehow it's okay to say all of a sudden like we've somehow manners and and like we're not even there's like this whole group of people are not even pretending anymore like mm. there's just been this permission granted and during this election to just be vile and hate filled and racist and homophobic and it's just it's so distressing it's mm-hmm. just dist- it's distressing to me like and, it, and I and so again like and then I become like oh I'm an idiot well of course it was always there I, I I'm sheltered I live in Los Angeles mm-hmm. it's very very progressive it's very liberal it's a melting pot I'm mm-hmm. surrounded by people of all all types and 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 I see this stuff that's going on and it's like I guess that's my point, though, is I grew up in a very mixed-race place, and I thought of myself as open and progressive, but what I mean is I still shut my... I still made myself the victim of something and didn't understand that other people had other... They had a whole other lives. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's the thing that with anybody, like, I we love to just... To say people are villains and they're evil and they're racist and they don't have feelings or emotions. And the truth is, they're just dealing with their lives and it's hard and it's easier to make yourself a victim mm-hmm. because you are a victim of things. Mm-hmm. You're poor, you're you're yeah, you're but, sad, your parents didn't love you, you whatever. But, but like these people know that the things that they're saying are hurtful. I don't but they think they're true. I think they think they're true. They may think like some people may be hurt by this, but so what? It's the truth. Meaning yeah. Black people are criminals and Mexicans are rapists and you know what I mean. So they like people may not like it, but it's the truth because I see it every day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. If I want... went by my experience, I went to a school where the only kids I was exposed to that were like mostly Native Hawaiian were mean and bullies. Like I knew from previous experience that that wasn't true, and I but like that was the reality of our high school. It's not true, but I could have very easily made that a truth if I hadn't thought about what they were what, what it was about where it was, what coming. was, it where about, was coming, where coming from, from right. or that right. they're just a tiny tiny fraction of a larger fraction well it's like when people talk about oh you know black black men don't take care of their children and you know and they'll say oh why so many black people in prison and all that and 
And um, and they so and they equated with it's because they're black. And I'm like, no, no. you or it's about not educating all that. Go no, those are issues that of poverty. Yeah. They have nothing to do with yeah, race. If you go to white to poverty, you know, you go to the trailer part. Right. You're going to no, have a lot of unwed, unwed pregnancies, right. crime, yeah. people going to prison. Right. You know, and it's like, that's about poverty. Because you don't see, you know, like Will Smith's kids aren't out, you know, right. robbing and raping. Like, they're, they're, they're doing fine. Not yet. Well, at, making know. a murderer. But even if they did, they probably wouldn't go to jail because they'd have a good lawyer, which is, you know, right. so it's like. Mm-hmm. But so making a murderer, that's an example of, yeah. it's all white yeah. community. So then you see white on. White. Uh, yeah. Because it's He's power poor. versus poor, right. someone they're who doesn't have trash. power. Yeah. It's right. power versus people who have no power. Yeah. Well, I, I think also what's going on right now, it's a little, some, I think of it like as Las Vegas a little bit. Like, a, uh. you know, when people go to Las Vegas, it's like, woo, I'm just going to be, cra- all my shit is going to come out. Like, I'm allowed to be Vegas. a monster. Yep. Yeah, right. it gives you permission to just be whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel, permission, that word, people are giving permission to give voice to uh, some of their thoughts and their, I'm like, oh, he's our shadow. Trump is the shadow mm-hmm. of America. He's you know, Vegas. coming out. Yes. He's the Vegas. He is the Las Vegas. He is the Vegas. Yeah. That's like, no, he is Las Vegas. What and happens in like, Trump stays, stays in Trump. Yeah. <laughs> but, and it, you know, people are like coming, you know, they're like coming alive. They're like in Vegas now. And they're like, yeah, and this and that. Woohoo. And it feels so good to be able to say this, like being in right. Vegas for the weekend. Like, God, we got so crazy. But I also, like, I always go, well, in my own life, I think about how it's much harder to take responsibility for things, right? You always want to blame somebody mm-hmm. yeah. or where you are in your life. You know, like, go mm-hmm. like, ah, this person or, you know, and that's this just, director or this, like, it, in some ways, it's our nature that mm-hmm. we want to blame. And America has a history of that. We always blame attack immigrants. Uh-huh. We blame the Irish. And it was always, always. The, the politicians would always make the same argument. The reason you don't have a job is because the Irish are here. The reason you don't have a job is because the Italians are here. And then after those Chinese. people assimilate right. into society, yeah. then it becomes, well, who, well, okay, I don't know who's Italian, who's Irish anymore. Well, I know they're Mexican. And, and you know, when you're Mexican, your color's not going to change. You're black, your color's not going to change. Yeah. So it's harder to assimilate. Yeah. And and the language thing I think right. is a is mm-hmm. a big one for you know uh, Latinos. That's a hard. But I think part of the Trump thing is also it's the last gasp of well, it's not even the last gasp because actually no, don't it's believe, not. I don't believe that soon. white people are running out of power because white people still have all the power and all the money. And that's not changing for a long time. <laughs> but it appears that it's changing. Meaning, yes, in by 2050, they'll be the minority, but they'll just be the minority who's in power and the in control. The 1%, right. You know, they'll still be in control. That's, we do, have you, a, do you feel like there's a lack of voice in the minority communities during this election shutting down Trump? Like, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was asking me, like, where are all like the African American leaders? Where there, that does we don't have. When Martin Luther King died, there was never never another African American leader because the press would never let there be another one. Every time an African American would step up and say they'd find dirt on, whether it's Al Sharpton, he's a joke. Right. Farrakhan, he's mm-hmm. racist. Like every time somebody tried to step up, they go, "Nope, don't listen to him, black people, because of this." So it'll it won't ever really happen again. In that way, it'll happen in smaller choir Because you don't like, know that. I'm not. I'm saying. I'm <laughs> saying it. It happens. There are African American leaders, but yeah. they're not. They're not okay, people who are media. But what about Obama? Right. Right. Yeah, Obama's really the first. Because Obama, Obama is, what about powerful voices? All right, so let's just right. let's take activism. Well, but I mean, there are people. Well, yeah. What about Magic Johnson? Right. What about? But I'm saying, but those people, they do. I'm not saying I don't know what they do, but there are people who are doing that. They're just not doing it with a big national voice. Why? Be- because they don't want what comes with that. 
Meaning you're going, someone's going to try to destroy your reputation so that you can't make changes on a national scale. So, they're, they, so have they, have, have, they have their agenda. Right. And, and they're working. And I mean, you know, if you go to black churches, whatever, all those things are happening. Those voices are mm-hmm. being heard there. But if the minute someone tries to step up and say, oh, I'm going to speak for black people, the next thing is like, oh, this person did this and they went to jail and they did this and don't listen to them. It's like, I've watched it. I watch it all the time. Like they're when somebody just, black tries to. When you speak yeah. out, you become a target. Right. And they yeah. always find dirt because there is. But, Dirt on everybody has dirt, so and then it makes you. It, they try to make it where oh you don't you don't have to listen to him. What he's saying is irrelevant. He's a criminal, right? Because or he did this, you know. Yeah. And they do it all. I mean, if you watch Fox News, unfortunately, anytime anyone speaks out against them, they the first thing they say is like, if Sarah Silverman speaks out, they go, oh, her show just got canceled. She just wants press. It's just like it's just like wait, discredit. what? They just they just try, and that's what happens in the black community unless too. they are. Republicans. Right, of course. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. you speak out against what they believe in. Right. I was saying this earlier. So my friend Kenny, who was talking about this, and he was he, he said this thing, and it really was like, it punched me in the stomach when he said it, because I was saying, like, I don't understand. I don't understand anybody, any minority. Like, f- this is, I don't, I don't understand how you can be a, a hardcore right-wing Republican right. and be a person of color mm-hmm. or be gay mm-hmm. or be whatever it is. And he said it's the difference between house slaves and field yep, slaves. It is. And that he said that and I was like, What the fuck? <laughs> Did you really just say that? Like that was so shocking to me. To hear that, like... Well, what did he mean so, by... Well, he, he, he was saying, like, so, like, Michael Steele, right? So, mm-hmm. Michael Steele, head of the RNC, he's former head of the slave. RNC. Yeah. yeah, like, he's got it better. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sort of like, no, 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 you're, you know, you, you, you don't have to live like the... Right. The field hand, right. you get to live in the house, and you get to have nice clothes, mm-hmm. and we feed you, and mm-hmm. you have sh- you have a better life. Right, so it's, it's in, in your best interest to keep this to keep system this going. up. So you defend your owner, mm-hmm. or your the house. Yeah. You know, you defend mm-hmm. the owner of the house. You defend the name of the plantation. Yeah. Or whatever Sounds it is. like a Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. So, well, there is that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've all bought into it. Why do women yeah. starve themselves to death? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, this is. Mm-hmm. This is what's attractive. Right. It's I'm wearing mean, heels right now. Yeah, hate, there's a lot of self hatred in in African American community for sure because that's that's the image we get. We get the same images you guys get mm-hmm. that black people are criminals yeah. and thugs, and we believe it too right. until we educate ourselves. We have to seek out information about positive. We have to seek out positive images of black people. So if you're just trying to live your life every day, you're not doing that. Right. So you know, so you that's why you can have these black kids in Chicago constantly shooting each other because they don't see any value in black life. There's no value. You look like me, I have no value, you have no value. I know this for a fact because everything in the world tells me that. Yeah, it reinforces. Well, that's the thing is I was taking notes when you guys were telling your stories and all three of you said very similar things and and it you you all We're said all one of same, you said same. no. <laughs> you all said you you told your stories and then you said, "Well, it's not that bad." Mm-hmm. And uh Neil, you said something like, well, it made sense to me. Like, it made sense to me that I, because I have brown skin, like, mm. it made sense to me that they were treating me this way. Mm. And and you said, uh, you know, you don't, you don't try to fight it. And, and I, or, I don't know, one of you said that. Mm. I really can't. Um, you're all entertaining. But, like, yeah, you're all, you're all look the same. You all sound the same. You're all brown. 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 But, um, but wh- what the fuck? Like, that, like, it's not it that bad. It shouldn't be that way. No, it should it not is. be that well, way. I think that's what the Michelle Obama speech, too, mm-hmm. about yes. a different topic. But that thing of, let's yes. admit that this is painful. Yes. To have to just go out there or to be afraid. Like, I'm always thinking about that maybe when I'm doing stand-up, you know, like Neil was saying, like, Maybe mm-hmm. this, this is gonna be this will be the crowd. This will be, yeah. be the one. Right. Yeah. But to walk around in the world with that mm-hmm. 
feeling. You know, I asked my husband like, with all we watched the Thirteenth mm-hmm. Amendment, the Thirteenth, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I can't oh put my. myself through it just yet. Oh, wait. there's no hope in it. Like yeah. I found it yeah. very. Yeah, that's yeah. why I haven't watched. There's not it's an revealing. ounce of hope in it. It's revealing, uh, and I would Netflix. say without yeah. hope. So mm-hmm. I would have like just a dash at the end, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I was I asked him like, are you worried about getting arrested? Like, are you worried about getting arrested? And he said. Every day, right. and like he is the like a rule following right. yeah. guy, like clean Jesus guy. But Christ. like I even, and this is my husband, and I go, whoa! I, just I get nervous did it. every time. I see every a time car. he said, every time, every time you see I see a police car, car I'm just like, every time, okay, yeah, just chill, like, no, no, just no, no, chill. Yeah. That's he said every I know, day. I feel like if they look over this way, they're yeah. gonna go, hmm, what's that? What's going on? Is there anything going on? You know, and well, to it, walk around with the—I mean—the energy and the—it's similar to if you're a woman. Yeah, you're like, to like worried about being raped be, Which I'm always right. telling him. He's mm-hmm. like, "That's not all women." I'm like, "You need to just right. <laughs> empathize for a minute." And I'm I just need to your mm-hmm. black yeah, man you, experience. Mm-hmm. You need to listen to my woman experience because it's that thing that you take for granted. Unless you are a woman, you're walking around. You're always kind of looking behind you. Right. You're like, mm-hmm. "What is this I, a safe environment?" Right. Mm-hmm. I wondered too. Like, uh, you saw some articles about Hillary and, and Trump the last thing where people were like it seemed to really freak out women i'm like when i saw her being petite and him behind her i thought if he wanted to hurt her he could and i just thought like i think it's how women think where you're like he could hurt her if he wanted to even if he goes to jail he could end her life if he wanted to he's an old pudgy man but he could still create a lot of damage because she's 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 little, like she's petite. There's she's, a vulnerability. There's a vulnerability right. and that fear of rape and violence. Yeah. Well, I, and, and you know, I'm and I'm Jewish, right? So and and my mother's side of the family, there were a lot of people lost in the camps, and and um, and I toured Auschwitz last year, and it was just like oh, this God. insane place mm-hmm. to be. And and then hearing, you know, like I said to Chick the other day, I was like. You know, uh, we could hide Muslims in this house. Like, if it comes mm. to that, like we're we're gonna hide <laughs> people in the attic. Like, mm, I'm fucking serious. Well, like, now man. you've ruined it, Mary Jo. Uh, yeah. Well, now no, you don't know the internet. You're looking for a Muslim, though. And I'm gonna snitch. I'm gonna yeah. snitch because I want. I'm, I'm too used to nice things. <laughs> <laughs> I like my creature comforts. So All right. Like, All right. We're gonna wrap it up. We can talk about this forever. All right, Jordan. Tell people where they can see you. I'm. You can come see the black version on December 1st at Largo. Excellent. And and uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at fake Jordan Black. It's Twitter and Instagram at fake Jordan Black. Excellent. I love that. Roxy. Um, Roxy you Robinson. can find me on yeah on Twitter as Roxana Ortega. Yeah. Roxana Ortega. R O X A N A one N O R T E G A. And on Instagram at Roxa L A. I know it's confusing. R O X A L A. Cool. Uh, you can find me, Neil Nanda, at Neil Nanda, at N-E-E-L-N-A-N-D-A, two E's, because I'm foreign. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also check my website, neilnanda.com. I'm going to be in Portland, Minneapolis, New Orleans, Atlanta, San Francisco in the next couple months. So go catch a show. Awesome. Yeah. I'm Colleen Smith. You can see me at Colleen Smee on Twitter. That'll lead you to everything else. C-O-L-L-E-E-N-S-M-I. Uh, you can find me at Mary Jo L.A. Um, yeah, you can find yeah. me there. Uh, Ian Smith is at? 
Ian Screams. Ian Screams, I-A-N-S-C-R-E-A-M-S. And uh, Chick, you can find Chick at uh, T-Chick Photo. Thank you. Mm-hmm. T-Chick Photo. P-H or F-O? P-H. O-T-O. O-T-O. And then we're also My First Time Podcast, first spelled out. No, yes. My First Time Pod. Uh, Twitter is at My First Time Pod, first is spelled out. The website is at My uh, My First Time Podcast. Podcast dot net. net F I R S T is spelled out. <laughs> dot net because dot com was taken. Someday we'll have it. And then if we have lovely pictures on the website or at our Facebook page, they have been done by Chick. And yeah, I think that's all the information you and need. Come back for the season. Yeah, I think we might have some more heady subjects. I think we might have so been moving. First yeah. time yeah. I hit a Muslim in my attic. I think that would be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> During the Trump holiday. Oh my god. Yeah, that'll be December's. Yeah. December. Yeah. yeah.